Hey, welcome everyone to another week of the Sports Block Podcast. Nathan Stacken here, my good friend and co-host of this fine podcast, Travis Krins, alongside as well. Travis, how are we doing? Great. Good, good. Uh, you can find Travis on the 2080 Baseball Podcast with uh, Evan, I can never remember his last name. What is it? Hendershot. Hendershot. I, I thought it was something like with the head maybe because he's going to have to shave his head here soon. Yeah. Uh, you can find this podcast on iTunes, the 2080 Baseball Podcast. But Evan's going to have to shave his head because he didn't think the Twins would win 80 games. Neither did I, but I was not as bold as to say I would do something to my body like grow a mustache because the Dolphins lost or the Dolphins beat the Vikings in 2011 or whenever the hell it was. Mm-hmm. Um... I thought they'd win 75, um, which is close to 80. Not quite 80, but it's uh, 75 and 87. And, uh, yeah, they're looking good to make the playoffs, and they're looking good to win probably 85 or 86 games. So that would be uh, that'd be a good, good bit more than 80. When will the head shaving commence? Uh, I want to do it, uh, I would like to do, like, a thing, but apparently it's going to be a private matter, private ceremonies, likely at his own, uh, his own home. So, uh, yeah, whenever they do it here, maybe they can get one win from the Yankees. And uh, they'll most assuredly get at least one. I would like them to get three in Detroit this week. So I would imagine before the week's end, and I would assume uh, Thursday is probably when you're looking at uh, the 80th win. And uh, so any time, Thursday night, Friday, Saturday or Sunday would be prime for a head, a head shaving. And this, I, I know you've never seen the kid. Uh, he doesn't have Facebook. He does have Twitter. Um, I should tend, send you his Twitter. He's got a hell of a head of hair. It's a, it's a goddamn shame. It really is going to take, uh, I don't know, it's going to take a, a few months for this thing to uh, to uh, to grow back. Well, he's he- got a hell of a head of hair. Boldness by him. And uh, good for him for, for living up to the bet. That's some stones from Hendershot. Yes. There you go. Uh, will Mr. Hendershot donate the uh, locks of hair to, like, locks of love? No, but uh, he probably should. He probably could. I, I think mean, he uh, donate this to charity, if you might uh, make that suggestion to him from I me. should. I should. I will... Uh, very possible. Unless you want to make that suggestion yourself. I don't know. I, um, I can. You could? I can. Uh, see what he says. And he's got a, a plentiful head of hair, which you can just snip off a good old chunk of it to, to give it to those who need it. So that'd be a grand idea. Yep, uh, I, th- I think that would be a great idea to, to do that here. You don't, that's why you don't even have to make it uh, public. You just deprive it and say, "Hey, I lost a bet about the twins. I had to shave my head. Here's some hair for those who who need it." Here, um, so I think I like that'd be good. Aaron Judge hits a home run Monday night. Uh, what a shock! What a shock that Aaron Judge, like a great baseball player, would hit a home run against the Twins. You know that a, a big star would have a magnificent day against the Minnesota sports team. I'm shocked. He's uh, a Rod filled the Twins in the day, as pretty much every Yankee, but. Uh, yeah, if this, if this one game playoff happens, I would fear for my life right, that he will he will have a big game, whether it's a, it's a home run early or a home run late to win it. Uh, he's seen what he would be the prime candidate to be the difference in the game. So, um, yeah, I have no expectations that they would actually beat the Yankees, but I would more more than want the opportunity to try. 
see to see what could happen if they win. Probably play Cleveland now instead of Houston. So uh, never, never know. There's still two weeks left. Twins are four back of the Yankees. Uh, if they sweep them, then you know they're one game back. I guess with the math. So that's interesting. Um, if the Yankees sweep the Twins, uh, they're three back of Boston. So that uh, the AL East is still uh, still three games. You know, if you win two, three in a row. The other team loses two or three in a row. So. We think we know what's going to happen, likely, but uh, still got two weeks to go. I was just going to say that's not a foregone conclusion that it would be Yankees, Twins, or Yankees, Angels in a wild card. It could be the Red Sox, but uh, could be could be Red Sox, Angels, Red Sox, Twins. Who the hell knows? You got uh, like Texas and Seattle and Kansas City all four and a half, five games back. Hopefully, they're by the end of this week. Hopefully, they they can be officially eliminated. Uh, we will get back to the baseball talk here momentar- ah. momentarily. But, oh, look at this. Matthew Stafford's going deep. That's got to be a, a passing fan. Nope, it's not. Okay. Uh, but we'll begin this podcast, as I assume we will, almost every week during the NFL season that the Vikings play. Um, ah. The Vikings lose 26-9 to to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, 27-9. Was it 20? No, it was 26-9. Um, I you I went into this game not expecting them to win. So the fact that they didn't, I, I mean, I didn't. I'm not sad by it because it was. Yeah. I mean, it. My expectations were low. I didn't expect them to win. However, um, it what really helped cement this loss in my uh, or you know made me say, okay, I'm just going to watch it and see what happens, but not get uh, too worked up about anything, was the fact that Sam Bradford, not playing because he was limited in practice all week with a knee injury. This after a week. Last week, we were praising, at least I was praising this guy, and say, hey, Crins, this is this is a different Saints, or a different Vikings team. They looked good. Even though it was against the Saints, we're trying to temper our expectations. But th- there might be something this year, and uh, that. What did last... I tweet? I sent you a tweet this week. What you, did I say? You did. You said uh, they, they 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 got you again, stacking. They got you again. <laughs> and I mean, is it really Come that on. they got me, or is it just that the 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 snake bitten Minnesota sports fan was once again bitten by an injury, and in just the most ironic of all things, I guess, that Sam Bradford is able to play in 15 games last year, doesn't miss a start, because, you know, of course, he missed the, the opener. Sean Hill played in that one uh, for the Vikings against Tennessee, but, I mean, behind that shit offensive line last year, and he gets pummeled and beaten to a pulp, and this game against New Orleans, he doesn't get hit more than three times, and all of a sudden he gets injured, and we don't know how long he's going to be out. Uh, a doctor... Now, there's a doctor out there, a former NFL doctor, that says he could miss up to up, up to six weeks. I would question if it's the same doctor that said Teddy Bridgewater is never going to yeah. play football again. So, I mean, he's never seen the injury. They don't even really know what the hell the injury is. So, to the NFL doctors out there, shut the hell up and mind your own business. But it's still a matter of fact that Sam Bradford is out. He didn't play against the Steelers. The Vikings offense 
didn't look great. The offensive line was not good. Only gave up two sacks, but I think had like five holding penalties. It was not good. The defense was bad, but I'll, I'll get into them in a moment. But just, you know, typical Vikings. Yeah, because I'm not getting too uh, too invested in this season for reasons as mentioned. I don't expect them to, again, to make the playoffs or do anything if they were to somehow get there. So, um, as Zimmer says, like, it's it's, it's swelling uh, with the ACL. A dude, because of his history with the knee, he thinks he twisted it during the Saints game. So he twisted it somewhere there and... Uh, yeah, it was a game I didn't expect them to win, no matter who was playing quarterback. And uh, game went, I mean, the first game went like you would expect. The second game went as you would expect. So um, I just, I got, again, with the, with the coverage of everything, I was just tired of, oh, we beat the Saints. Look how great we are. And I said, all right, they're the Saints. Then this week, I was like, oh, Vikings come back to earth. They lose to Pittsburgh. Look at this. And it's just so tiring, just the, the nonstop noise. It's, there's, Got, I mean, there's not much to talk about with these two games. Bradford played great the first game, as you should, against a terrible team, and they didn't play so hot against a pretty good team with the backup quarterback. It's like if there's if there's any two games in the season that went goddamn near like you would expect, it's these two first games. Yep. With all these people saying, "Oh, disaster," and this, and before it was like, "Oh, Bradford," and this. I just, it's like, all right, people, this, we got, fuck, we got till December here. We got four goddamn months of this stuff. <laughs> you know, I, I know, I know people are excited, but goddamn, I just, again, <laughs> I, I, you know, this was, I'm winning myself off in this one, early third quarter. I'm like, I don't need to watch this, which I never do. I'm like, I don't need to watch this. Twins are on. They're down 5 nothing in the second to Toronto. They make it 5-2, 5-3. Dozen runs later, it's 13-7. They win. That was a whole hell of a lot more exciting uh, than whatever the hell the Vikings did in the second half because I've seen that backup quarterback party before, and that's no fun to watch. So I'm taking the stand and saying, okay, if Case Keenum plays and I'm playing like shit, I'm not watching them. There, there's other stuff to do than to watch them, yeah. which, is, which is a sad state of affairs for me, but that's the way it is. Yep, I mean... And get granted, if you're unless you're the Jets or the Bears, maybe the Colts, you're not going. I mean, in your your upper management, you're not the players because the players are going to try and win because they don't want to lose every game. But the Jets have already decided that they want to tank the season. Uh, sure. But you only have 16 games, so you need to go in and try and win every one of them as you can. But I, like you, looked at this game right away. It's Pittsburgh. They're a really good team in the AFC. The Vikings don't really have a great chance to beat them on the road. So it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. If it means Sam Bradford has to miss one game, I'd rather it be that game. It's a shitty field at Pittsburgh. They were Oklahoma State just tore up the field with Pitt the day before. I mean, so yeah, the field early in the season is much better than it is later in the season. I get that, but I like you. Just you don't want something to happen to Sam. You know, his knee gets caught in the grass or whatever. You know, the Steelers bang around and you know just and and injure him. Let's let's not worry about that. Let's just get him healed up. You have these next five games are incredibly six games are incredibly important to how it's going to determine if the Vikings make the playoffs or not because they have four of their next five at home and then they go to London to face the Browns they should beat them 
I mean, so there's a lot at stake here for the Vikings. This was a loss that I fully expected. Um, Having said that, I don't like head coach Mike Zimmer when asked about Bradford's MRI because, okay, he's limited in practice. What's going on? This is Wednesday. We don't really know what's going on. Okay, not a huge deal. Then Thursday, still limited in practice. Don't really know what's going on. Then Friday, oh, he's, he, reports are that he gets an MRI. And Zimmer just says, lots of guys get MRIs. Well, excuse me, Coach Zimmer, not every guy uh, is as important as your starting quarterback who has a history of torn ACLs, who looked great in the week one game, and had. I mean, there was no issue after that Monday night. No issue Tuesday, to my knowledge. And all of a sudden, this crops up. Here, I mean, forgive me, but this is more than just, uh, we're not doing like a cloak and dagger here, and we're not tr- trying to be all secret. You, you have to open up a little bit. You can't be an ass about it. So I was a little, dis- I'm disappointed in Zimmer with that approach. I get that you don't want to give the game plan away like, hey, Bradford's going to play, but I mean, this is important stuff regarding your quarterback here. I wish you'd just be a little more open about it and say, no, I mean, th- don't pull a Bill, a Bill Belichick. What would you? What did you want him to say? I wanted him to say, "Yes, uh, Sam Bradford has. Uh, you know, we're looking at some stuff with the knee. We're going to play it. You know, we're going to take it cautiously here. Uh, but we really don't know what's going on. That's why we did an MRI. Um, I, I just wanted a little more explanation. I wanted a little more empathy. I wanted a little more substance to this." here versus just lots of guys get MRIs. Like, it's not a big fucking deal. I mean, if, if this happened to uh, Andrew Sandejo, it's not nearly as important as uh, or Mackenzie Alexander. It's not Rodney Adams. It's not nearly as important as to Sam Bradford. And given how he played, it's not even just the fact that it's the starting quarterback, but it's how Bradford played in week one. And the fact, again, that it it just kind of came out of nowhere that he got injured because you didn't sense that at all Monday night. So that's that's all I want. I just want a little more transparency from him. Yeah, I might have no trouble or I, I'm fine with what he said. Um, you know, I don't think they know when he's going to be back. Could be back this week. Could be, uh, like you said, could be six weeks. I don't know if it'll be that long, but um, and, yeah, I don't think they know. I don't. And, and if he does, he shouldn't tell anybody anyway. Um, I'm fine with him being a game-time decision. From here on out, I don't, I don't need to know yep. anything about anything. Uh, knee injury, get get healthy. He'll play when uh, he is good to play. So yep. I'm and I, I'm fine again with that. I just wish you would just say lots of guys get MRIs. I just want a little more to it than that because it kind of came out of nowhere. Uh, and it's like, okay, what happened exactly? And it, if he they, twisted it, his knee, he twisted his knee in the same game. Something happened in yeah. that game. And that's 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 fine. That I I would take that explanation. I just if you don't provide anything, it just. That's what he said that. I don't know when he said that. He said that I don't know today or yesterday. Probably today. But, today's Monday. Yeah. yeah, he said it Monday. I guess so. He said uh, twist his knee. He said yeah. He says he feels good about it. But that well, he doesn't. He doesn't know. Doesn't know when Bridgewater's going to be back. He doesn't know when Bradford's going to be back. So we're just. Waiting for him to get get healthy. But but say that Friday then. That that's what I wanted. 
That and that is a satisfactory explanation to me. It's like they tw- twisted it somehow. We d- we don't really don't know, but it's in the Saints game. That's all I need. Uh, regarding the game though itself, I will give the Vikings defense the majority of the blame here for this because they set the Steelers up with four, 10, or, 10 or 14 points. I want to say it was f- at least 10, not 14, maybe more, on terrible penalties. Uh, first quarter, Brian Robinson jumps off sides on a fourth and one. The Steelers were not even, I think they were on their own 40. I mean, highly unlikely. Yeah. I mean, highly unlikely that Big Ben and the Steelers are going to go for it. But if they do, then like, okay, they earned it. But you just gave them a free five yards. And then the Steelers end up scoring right after that. Then later in the first half, a defensive pass interference, deep downfield, Steelers score right after that. So it's like, it it's those plays, it's that undisciplined play by the Vikings defense that cost them in this one. Now the offense would contribute later in the second half with a bunch of holding penalties. Case Keenum was off, you know, he just couldn't find the receivers a split second he uh, found him a split second late. You got to get that a little earlier. So the offense had their issues, but I would say the offensive line overall played better than they did at any time last year. Um, or I mean, it was a, a compar- comparable. It wasn't worse than uh, the lowest point last year. I can I can tell you that for a fact. But uh, they didn't play well either. Uh, it's kind of expected with Case Keenum, but I, I would say definitely that the defense. You just can't give up those those sorts of penalties, and uh, and give a team like the Steelers good field position. Because really, the defense played pretty well in limiting the big plays. You know, Antonio Brown didn't have a big game. Le'Veon Bell didn't have a big game. But when you give a, a team like the Steelers with as many weapons as they do extra chances, you're doomed. And the Vikings did that on Sunday. They uh, both those the, the the Robinson offside. The, uh, it was a Trey Wayne's pass interference. Yep. That, was, that was the second drive of the game. They scored a touchdown, so that's seven points right there. Uh, other than that, I thought they played well. So if you want to make it 26-9, you'd make it 19-9. I mean, you're not you're not winning many games when you score nine points nope. unless you're playing Buffalo or San <laughs> Francisco. So there you go. Yes. So that's just, you know, 19-9. I mean, the offense, you're not winning any games. With uh, with the backup quarterback, fourteen first downs, they had two hundred and thirty seven yards. That's bad. Uh, Steelers had three thirty five. I would have taken that. Uh, Xavier Rhodes played great. He shut down Antonio Brown. He didn't score. Had five catches for sixty two yards, which is probably half of what he usually has. Roethlisberger uh, really didn't do much. He um, I thought defense. Defense was good for what it was. Just, I mean, they knew they weren't going to get any help, and anything other than a damn shutout would have not been enough. So, um, yeah, I mean, offense was bad, like like uh, like you would expect, and like it it will continue to be bad if, if this guy is the quarterback. So, yep. Uh, Vikings play the Bucks this week. I will pick the Vikings to win if Bradford plays. Uh, the Bucks looked. Impressive, I guess, against the Bears, but the Bears are awful. Uh, Winston really didn't have to do that much. Um, so I, I will take the Vikings if Bradford plays this week. I will take the Bucks though, if Keenum plays. The Vikings, be- were five, Vikings were 5 of 15 on third down. The 
Steelers were three of thirteen. Yeah, that that's not good. That's uh, that's for sure. Uh, the Vikings could have taken advantage of it and did not. So that's what happened here. Uh, anything else? Real? I mean. Week two, again, the NFL has a major problem. Offensive line play is absolutely atrocious, and I think it can be kind of – I mean, it's related back to college football. We love college football, but the offensive linemen that are coming out of college – out of the college ranks right now, they're not very good, and it's translating to some piss-poor play in the NFL. Um, so, not – not good, that's for sure. Uh, Matt Prater, by the way, just made a field goal off the crossbar, and it goes through. So, mar- remarkable oh. stuff there by the Lions. But uh, anyway, offensive line play not good. The Giants are an example of this. The Vikings, of course, have their offensive line issues. The Seahawks are atrocious. Uh, this just not—it's it, just not good. I'm sure there are other offensive lines that are having issues right now. Um, but 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 this is this is bad, and it, it directly relates to the college game. And I think it is it the spread offenses that we're seeing. Maybe our teams just not developing uh, offensive linemen as well as they used to. I don't know, but uh, this is not good for the game of football. It's not good. Quarterbacks are not good. Got a lot of bad quarterbacks out there. I mean, Mike Glennon's got a job for God's sakes. Uh, whatever the hell Indianapolis has going on, I mean, it's... Jacoby Brissett's Jacoby Brissett's better than Scott Tolzien. And it's amazing they had to get him, like, what, after week one? Or they got him right before the first game? Uh, yes. That's amazing they were... I mean, that they were that ill-prepared that Scott Tolzien is still their guy. So that's that's awful, and that's disgusting. And here we look at um, at New England, and it appears they have two more than capable quarterbacks. And they don't even need the second one. Yep. So, the quarterback play is awful. Uh, yeah, Seattle's offensive line looked bad last year, and it doesn't look good this year. Seems like Seattle just looks poor for stretches. Just looks god awful. And then once once we get to, to the real to, to, to the real games, they turn it on. So we'll see if that's the case again this year. But when uh, a lot of these guys are just bad, not good players, not good players. Right, and but and again, you you you've gone south on the NFL here uh, in the last few years. I'm going that way as well. Um, but it, and you like the college football ranks, but don't doesn't the the way college football is going right now? I mean, can you share some blame with that in terms of what we're seeing from it, how it translates to the NFL and the college? So, therefore, I mean, is the college game really all that great anymore? Yeah, it's, I mean, you I, you just look at what quarterbacks are considered the, the good quarterbacks. And again, we we've, we've said this before. Just go down the list of the guys. There are the top picks, and, and a lot of them are not good. And, and then you find random guys in the third, fourth, fifth round, and these are the good ones. Um, it doesn't take much to be a quarterback in Denver, as we've seen with Osweiler, uh, had some success there and goes elsewhere and is awful. Uh, and Trevor Simeon, if it, it seems to be working for him, mm-hmm. if he were to go somewhere else, I wouldn't imagine. I would imagine he'd be a very poor quarterback. 
I bet he'd be better than Osweiler. He's at least shown. He has shown more to me than Osweiler ever did. Well, it's amazing that Osweiler played what six games, seven games, and that's enough for some team to give him a huge contract. It's it's like Uh, Matt Matt Flynn with the Packers a few years back. He played two games, two games, what against New England, against Detroit. Yep, and he tore him up. And so Seattle does what they do, but who does Seattle get? Some third, fourth round quarterback, and it's Russell Wilson, and he wins the goddamn Super Bowl. So, yep. and then Flynn goes I, to Oakland. Yeah, I mean, it's it's like it's got to be better to evaluating these quarterbacks. CJ Manuel should not be first round picks. Christian Ponder, well, I mean, when we saw that, that was embarrassment. A Jake Locker, for Christ's sake, Blake Bortles. I mean, have, what what first round pick? What first-round picks have there been? Where it's like, all right, we like Jake Locker. He's athletic. He can't. He can't. He's not a very good uh, passer. He can't throw. But damn it, we like him. Uh, Ponder's not good, but God damn it, oh, like what the what were they? He's smart. He's smart because he, he was able to yeah. get a business like a finance major in two and a half years. Terrible, terrible. I mean, just it it it, uh, it, it, it should not be this stuff. You got the Wyoming guy. Who's not good? I'm sure he'll be a top ten pick. Um, Sam Darnold looks pretty damn good. We'll see how good he is. And everybody now wants Lamar Jackson out to play quarterback, even though he's the best one out there. So it's I don't know. It, it shouldn't be this hard. Baker Mayfield, he's pretty great, but I am I'm sure he'll get drafted, and I'm sure it won't be until the fourth, fifth, sixth round. And Oh, no, no. I bet he goes higher than that. I mean, if if, if Pat Mahomes Ah. is – maybe I think Pat Mahomes is starting this trend now of the spread quarterback here. uh, Pat Mahomes is a large man. Baker Baker Mayfield, not large. That's true. That's true. But he does have Katy Perry in his corner. Well, good. Good for him. Baker Mayfield, uh, 6'1". Pat Mahomes, larger than 6'1". Yeah. True. Yep, that, that's a good point. Um, and I don't, I don't care about any of those size. I don't extra three inches, extra four inches doesn't not something I'm concerned about whatsoever. For the second straight year in week two, a game got delayed due to lightning. Uh, last year, the Bucks were involved in. I think they played the Rams, if I recall correctly. This year, it was the uh, the Cowboys and the Broncos. And uh, needless to say, after the hour-long lightning delay, the Broncos kicked the shit out of Dallas. I love seeing it. Uh, Ezekiel Elliott quit on the team. Uh, that's not good. He was a crybaby. He's pouting and doing all this sorts of stuff. I don't know how good Denver is. I don't think Dallas is as bad as they looked, but they are not, I don't think, a great team this year. But that was a, that was a fun blowout to see. Dallas, yeah, I don't have Dallas in the playoffs. Um, Denver, yeah, Denver looked good. Beat the hell out of them. They're pretty tough at home. And uh, always odd. Speaking of weather delays, we had, a, we had a weather delay a couple weeks ago. Oh! Around the city of South Dakota. Messed up all the games almost. Harrisburg played Pierre. They played a half. Now they're going to play the second half next to, like, next week. Why? 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 Like, this, why? 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 That this that, that doesn't make any sense. 
why they couldn't have played the, the very next day, I'm not quite sure. But uh, they're playing two halves of the football five weeks apart. I don't understand it. I don't like it. But that's what they're doing. So, and weather delays, that's, uh, they suck. Yes, they do. Uh, the best thing that happened in week two, though, in the NFL, uh, and, ah. and I think it's it might be the best thing all year unless NBC is going to continue to do this, and in which case I'm a huge fan. Uh, and I, I worked with someone. I told him this uh, today, or I told him on Monday about what happened. And he's like, I heard it too, and I got so excited, and my wife and kids looked at me like I was batshit crazy. But Atlanta opens up the new stadium, the Mercedes-Benz Stadium, where you can get cheap food, uh, and everyone leaves at halftime. That's what I guess what happened here uh, Sunday night. But first drive of the game, Devontae, they, they just march down the field against the Packers. Devontae Freeman runs it in for a touchdown. That's great. He, uh, I mean, one of his offensive linemen is in the end zone. Freeman takes the football, shoots it like a basketball, and the offensive lineman made the hoop. And the ball goes in. So, yes, Freeman made a shot. Extra points good by Matt Bryant. They go to commercial. And what does NBC do? What does Sunday Night Football do? They pull out the NBA on NBC uh, theme song here. I'm going to get this pulled up because uh, just there we go. That's kind of scratchy. Very exciting. Very exciting. Yeah, I I did. It was a little scratchy, but the 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 point the the point is made. This was absolutely a a great thing by NBC, and I hope they do it all the time. There we go. Yep. Let's just listen to this for a second. I mean, this this is the best sports theme music of all time, and I, I don't. You were big on like ESPN NHL or something. No, yes, I was, and actually, what was weird is that I was thinking about the NHL on uh, ESPN uh, theme song earlier Sunday or Saturday. I don't, I don't know why. Um, and Joe Maurer just struck out. That's terrible. Um, but. What a shit! Yes, I mean, ESPN prime prime time. ESPN. Yes, that was some good music. Yes. that was some good stuff. Yep, I, I agree with that. That the NHL on ESPN is one of my favorites. Um, I do like the NBA, the the Olympic music, the theme music on NBC. That's a little longer, but the NBA on uh, NBC theme music, nothing will ever touch it. Uh, ESPN prime time, uh, NFL prime time. Yes, it's right up there. I completely. Uh, I, I love the, especially when you knew it was the big game and it was the, the, the dun, 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 
Dun, dun, dun. Okay, anyway, you can find Very that good. on there. Uh, the, the NHL on ESPN, I love that. But NBA on NBC, props to Sunday Night Football for getting that right there. I hope guys continue to do this, and I want NBC to do this every Sunday night, every any opportunity they can, because this is great stuff. Did I mention last week, how did, how the hell did Diggs, did Diggs not get suspended? There was no penalty for him punting the ball into the 19th deck. Uh, he, how, I mean, I, I was he, stunned he wasn't penalized. What the hell was that? I, I, I don't know. I, I think he got fined for it, though. I hope so, because Christ, I saw that like Christ, dude. Wasn't it, uh... I think if you're going to do that, do it at the end of the half or something when it doesn't matter, when there's like 10 seconds left. Right. But I saw that, and I'm like, where's, where's, the, where's the penalty? I'm looking for a penalty. And, of course, there, there, there was no penalty. Right. Uh, so that, that was the best Whatever. stuff from week two in the NFL, and I, I, that might be the best thing that happens all NFL season long. Tom Brady, he was, he was fantastic, so it was good to see for my, uh, for my fantasy purposes. And Tony Romo. Tony Romo, yeah, yeah, great again. I caught him for the first time. Thought it was fantastic. I will watch. I will watch his games. Yep. Later on, I will watch his games. Well, CBS will pick up the games here. I think uh, in a couple weeks here on Thursday night, at least for Tony a five week stretch. Is, Tony Romo is bringing me back to the NFL. Of all people, doing <laughs> what he does, he is bringing me back as an announcer. We we got. Well, sorry, go ahead. Yes. What, what, no. Well, I was going to say, I mean, we had a conversation Sunday during the Google chat about Tony Romo and yep. you know just the job that he's doing and how he's doing it better than anyone out there currently yeah. is doing it. Like, he's explaining it more. And was it was it David that was saying, like, oh, well. Not impressed. Yeah, he's not impressed. Like, oh, you know, he's a current, he just retired. Well, yeah, but, I mean, look at all these other guys. I mean, do, do we really think that Jay Cutler would have done this? You know what? I, no, here's, I don't think he would have. Here's the thing. It just so happens, like I said, they've been doing uh, football broadcasting for a long, long time. And I've never seen anything like this, and I have yet to have anybody compare Tony Romo and what he's doing to anybody else. And it, and it just so happens he's just the first one to do it. Um, could these other guys do it? I don't know. But nobody's done it since, and there's been many football games. So I'm going to give him credit because nobody else has been doing it. And if they haven't been, well, goddamn it, they should start. Now, I like listening to Dan Fouts. I love the bird and the beard, Ian Eagle and, and Dan Fouts. They are a tremendous combo together. But Trent Green hasn't been, take, uh, hasn't been out of the league that long. I mean, long enough, but I mean, he's still... I mean, he still knows what's going on here. It's the the game's still relatively the same from when he played, you know, what six, seven years ago. He's with Greg Gumble. He's not doing any of this. I mean, Tony Romo. This is I'm not going to say revolutionary, but I mean, this is well, really yes, good stuff. Yes. Okay, okay. You see, you see, I mean, you see all of these guys break it down after the fact. They break it down on the shows in the studios. They're circling the guys. They watch this guy here. Watch what he does there. This guy is doing it as it is going on, before it happens. Send left to number 16. What the fuck's the play? Send left to 16 touchdown. Run right, run left. Not, that's going to be a pass to whatever. He called the pass, and he called what type of pass it was going to be. It's goddamn great. He's the best of all time. 
The thing about it too is that he's excited when he's calling it. Like he, there's absolutely he's he's hyper about it. I mean, I wonder if Jim Nance is saying like, "Calm down, man." Yeah, I'm sure he'll calm down a little bit. He could maybe tone it down a little bit, but you'd rather have him turn it down a bit than have to have him. All right, we need a little more from him. He's good. I guess Rex Ryan wasn't so hot the uh, on Monday night. That was a disappointment, and he's um he was a guy that was uh, a coach for a long time. And uh, he apparently didn't add anything to the broadcast. So good job, uh, Rex Ryan, not doing anything. I do like his commercials, though, for Sunday NFL Countdown between two Rexes. He's a he's a funny guy. Good. Show it during the game when you get your one game a year. Um, what 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 is it? September, middle of September here. Yep. I said there was a two weeks ago in the, in the hangout. Three weeks ago, we did a little NFL preview. Yep. I said uh, Kaepernick would play for the Vikings. Yep. Uh, this year, that was my big thing. Now people are yearning for Kaepernick to play for the Vikings. Um, so I mean, twenty. I mean, we. I've said the the every, every eleven years thing for the Vikings, and it's twenty twenty. That's coming up. Yep. So I assume Aaron Rodgers or somebody will be the quarterback by then. Um, you can you can stew on this for for a week. You can stew on this for the entire season. Um, who do you think you've gone back and forth, Bradford Bridgewater? Who the quarterback is game one next year? You've got who you've got? You got. Mm. I've got uh, between the two. I've got Bridgewater, but I've got another name that I think I want to ask you would. And I don't think this quarterback will be back with his team next year. I want to ask you if you think the Vikings would sign this guy. Kirk Cousins? Drew Brees. Oh, yes. You know what? I have, not, I have yet to hear anybody say this. Right. And I, as I said the other night, I believe they should start over. And I think they will. He's, what, 40, 39, 40? Yep. I mean, he's, I mean this is a Farb situation. He's got one bullet left in the gun. And uh, it'd be exciting. But uh, do you think the Vikings, they seem very loyal to Mr. Bridgewater. Uh, do you think they would sign Brees? It doesn't seem like there's too many other teams out there. Like, uh, it seems like the Vikings are the only team that where these situations work. You know what? I, I would hope they would try it. Um, they I know have everything. Everything is set. It's always everything is fine, except the quarterback. Yep. They could just get a quarterback, and we saw what happened. The one year they had a quarterback, they were pretty good. Oh nine, mm-hmm. they were real good. And uh, if we could get the guy that was on the other team in oh nine, seven eight, nine years later, as a forty year old man, uh, Drew Brees. That's who I would prefer. To, uh, be the quarterback for next year. I would take that. How about I? Um, I'm not going to one up you on that, but Tom about, Brady. Let's get Tom Brady in here, please. Thank well, you. I was going to say, what about his teammate Jimmy Garoppolo? That'd be fine, I suppose. I suppose you're giving up uh, at least one first round pick, and 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 others. Um, you know, I, I didn't think he'd be any good. Um. I mean, again, Matt Castle's been the only guy to go to get out of there, and he did okay. Um, Garoppolo's got to do better than that for me to want him. But again, he's still a guy that you just—I mean, you just don't know. 
Again, going back to the quarterback thing, he's played a handful of games. He's done good. And but we don't. Nobody knows how good he's going to do. So, I I will jump. Right. I will jump on this Drew Brees bandwagon with you here. Spread the word. Put it in the Marshall Independent. <laughs> done and done. Breeze, uh, I believe the breeze flows north. With that. oh, look at that! The headline writes mm. itself. Mm. Mm. The breeze. Good. I look forward to him uh, to losing in the NFC title game. It'll be a fun time. Another one for the books. Yes, I, I'd like this. Let, let's do it. I'm all for it. That's a great idea. We'll see what happens. September 18th. September 18th. Uh, 9:08. One more time. 9:08 on September 18th. Very good. A week removed. A week removed from September 11th. We'll see. We'll see where we're at uh, six months from now. The Giants look awful, by the way. Um, yeah, I think I'm going that division. That's a breach. Yep. That, that this is not and, good. You know who's going to win the division? Carson Wentz. Um, I, I saw his stat line. He had 333 yards. Uh, his completion percentage was not good. Um, I just saw the play today, the funky 50-yard play. Um, I assume you've seen this play as well. From the from the week one against Washington? No, this was Kansas City. Oh. Sunday. 50-yard, um, 50-55-yard pass play. He overthrew his receiver by like five yards and bounced off to like the back or the back of the helmet of a Kansas City player player mm-hmm. took a bounce to I mean it's the luckiest damn thing you've ever seen Eagles guy caught it runs for 50 yards so it should have been by all means a incompletion uh, second it should have been an interception if the guy turns around um, truly an awful play in any realm of possibility you could think of the result was a 55 yard game so that's that is him. Look at the numbers look good. You take that off. Still throws for 275, 280. But uh, a poor throw by any means except for the actual results. So. Yep. Um. Well, well, I mean, again, we'll see. We'll see where he's at at the end of the year. I'm sure he uh, he might put up some good numbers, lots of yards. It doesn't appear they have a, uh, a running game of any sorts. He should be a decent fantasy quarterback by the looks of it. Yes. But, um, Yep. We will see if, if my favorite quarterback makes the playoffs or winning the game or finishes above 500 or does anything like that. Speaking of your favorites, I know your favorite head coach in the college ranks and your favorite team, uh, they lost oh, yeah. a heartbreaker on uh, Saturday. Oh, yes. What a, what a shame. On what a shame. Hail Mary. Florida beats Tennessee 26-20. First off, uh, claps, 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 claps. To, to the University of Florida for finally scoring an offensive touchdown. The first three touchdowns of the year were pick sixes. They finally get an offensive touchdown, uh, and then they get a hail mary at the end of the game to win it. Uh, just, just terrific. Just absolutely terrific. Bad defense, I would say, on Tennessee's part. Yep, to have a guy run as wide open as you're going to get I mean a hell of a throw by the quarterback on 64-65 in the air that's that's pretty goddamn good yep. right there that's pretty good hell, hell, of a, hell of a play hell of a catch hell of a touchdown Tennessee last year was ridiculous with, with the wins and losses and uh, yeah, they, they got to get rid of their coach 
it's it's an embarrassment. Uh, I, I I'm very joyful that they lost the way they did. I think it's awesome. Yes, it's it's great, and it needs yeah. I, I'm I'm with you 100 percent on this. Uh, you want to hear a fun fact? Did you hear Did you hear this stat that USC Texas outdrew Rams Washington and Chargers Dolphins combined? What was it, 75,000, much more than that, Uh, 90,000? 84,000 came to watch USC in Texas Saturday night. 56,000 and change came to watch the Rams, and 25,000 and change came to watch the Dolphins and Chargers. By the way, it seemed like half of the stadium was Dolphins fans. Uh, maybe displaced by Hurricane Irma, or there's just a lot of Dolphins fans across the country because of Dan Marino in the 70s and all that stuff. But regardless, that's 81,000 and change combined. And then the, the USC Texas outdrew them. Football in LA, bad. Two football teams in LA, two NFL teams. Really bad. Good job, NFL. Good job. Way to, way to, way to fuck this one up. It could have been the Vikings. These could have been it the Vikings. Have, it could have. That would have been a that, that would have been a disaster. And I mean, there's a reason why the, there's no there was no football in LA for 20 plus years, and for whatever reason, people do not care. It's uh, become very apparent. I mean, you cannot sell out a 30,000 seat soccer stadium. This is bad. This is real bad. I mean, there's there's no reason to care. Why should they care? These yeah. are teams from St. Louis. And San Diego, well, I mean, what the hell do they care about this? Um, why were there so many fans from the other team? I have no idea. LA's got a lot of people, I guess. Is this going to be an every game thing? Is there just that many people in LA that like all the teams? I'm not sure. But uh, bad NFL. I mean, LA, you were fine without LA. And it's funny. It has nothing to do with them going to LA, but, you know, NFL's on a small decline. We'll see what it happens this year. But uh, funny how they go to L.A. and how everything turns to shit. Well, I mean, I, I don't know uh, what the the fan base was like in L.A. for the Chargers last year. During their years in San Diego, I have to assume that they had, you know, a few, you know, decent number of fans out there. But, I mean, when L.A. gets the Rams, everyone's like, okay, you know, screw you, Chargers. And there's so much hatred uh, and you know, venom down in San Diego, uh, or disdain, I guess, for the team now that they left. That no one, or very few people, are going to drive from San Diego to LA to support this team because it's not their team anymore. Uh, and you just have people in LA that don't care about the Chargers. So this is just a bad business decision overall, and uh, just very poor by the NFL. They're, they're you want to talk about why the ratings declined, and you mentioned it. It's in part because they go for the dollar rather than try and build the fan base, which will help your bottom line overall. I'm not watching because of, as I mentioned again, put it on my tombstone, all these reasons. Uh, Goodell and hiding concussions and uh, how they handle Ray Rice and all of these. Uh, Ezekiel Elliott, this is, this is not going well either. And Adrian Peterson stuff. All of these are just building up in the coverage. All of these half dozen reasons are why why I'm not watching. And then you add to the fact that the games now are bad. The games are unwatchable. Some of them. Yeah, this week uh, was bad. 
I mean, you've had, for how many years have, have people been talking about Thursday night games just being atrocious? And we look at them on paper, and we think they're going to be bad. And uh, and they are bad. Not all, I mean, sometimes the games are good when you think they're not going to be. But boy, these Thursday night games have not uh, been impressive by the looks of it. So uh, you got to do better than this. You got to, I mean, there's no reason to put... Uh, put some of these games on TV in a, in a prime time spot. Well, you, really you bad. Rams 49ers doesn't just tickle your fancy? Like, like what are they thinking? I, and I'm sure, uh, like, if that game was on CBS or NBC, there'd be 10, 15 million people watch this thing, which is ridiculous, which is more than watch any other sporting event. Two terrible teams play football, 9-6. to six. Uh, So I don't get why people are watching. Uh, again, I can only assume it's fantasy and betting. But uh, yeah, the product product is very very poor. It, it is. Appears. It is. Um, going back to the college ranks, though, I mentioned USC. They get the big win over Texas, twenty seven twenty four. A little too close for comfort. Uh, USC had the lead and then gave it yeah. up in the final minute before Sam Darnold led the team down the field. Got the game tying field goal. They they force a fumble in the second overtime and they kick a game winning field goal to win it there. But Darnold looked impressive uh, when he had to. The poise in which he played with was good. You can look past, I think, the two interceptions to a degree. Uh, but, but he looked good. USC survives, though. Good showing by Texas, but um, ultimately couldn't get it done. Uh, too bad, so sad. Yeah, I thought USC would win this game by 35 points. Um, they probably should have lost. Texas defense was good. Uh, pass rush was good. Darnold hated him late, and uh, he was he was awfully good. I mean, I feel like USC left a couple touchdowns on the board. There was a fourth and goal inside the one they went for it. They didn't get it. Their kicker missed a kick. Uh, there was another fourth down that they went for. They couldn't get it. So numerous fourth downs close in their uh, opponent's territory that they could not get. Uh, yeah, I mean, they, they, they should have probably won this game by multiple touchdowns. Instead, they have to go to double overtime. So, very disappointing uh, way that turned out for them. But they won, so they real. Yep. Um, they, they just look to me like a team, USC, that eventually it's going to hurt. Like, they're going to get caught up in a game and they're going to lose. And the fact that they don't have a bye week until the very end of the season also is going to hurt them, potentially. But, uh, you know, it's almost like they're playing down to their competition because they looked really good against Stanford last week. Yeah. So, it is, that that is what it is. Um, and then the other big game, the, the primetime game, Clemson and Louisville. Uh, wasn't really much of a game. Clemson's defense made Lamar Jackson look human. Uh, Bryant, the Clemson quarterback, played well. And Clemson, to me, uh, I, I might overstate this a little bit here, but they're, they're starting to look like a team that's going to be able to, to sustain success for years to come, and they are going to be the team 
to beat in the like in the ACC over the Florida States and Miamis. You know, normally we're used to seeing those programs dominate the ACC. Virginia Tech to a similar extent, uh, but you know, the, never really in the national championship conversation. But Clemson, to me, I think has this uh, abilities to sustain success and be in the college football playoff discussion for many years with the way that things are going this uh, this year with the quarterback and the, the way their defense is playing. If I had a vote for the top 25, I would put them in number one. They've been the most impressive. I think they're the best team. Why, why do I think that if their name was Alabama and they did what they did, they'd be number one right now instead of number two? Uh, they would probably get uh, the double the number of first place votes that could be offered. Like, I don't know how this happened. We're just going to give all first place votes from next week to you as well this week. It's uh, it's interesting that in Alabama, I mean, they were runners up. They had a freshman quarterback who played well, and he's back. And uh, again, people had questions. I had questions about the quarterback for Clemson, and uh, they lost a lot of guys on defense. But it appears that that does not matter. They played very well. And uh, we'll, we'll see what it does in a couple weeks at Virginia Tech, and we'll see what it does against Florida State. There's some big games the rest of the way. But, um, yeah, I think Alabama, pretty uh, pretty safe bet for the playoff. And uh, Clemson, probably pretty good, pretty good bet for the playoff, too. So those are two teams right now. I would say those are the only two teams that I feel confident saying three weeks in, for God's sakes, are going to be there. Uh, How about, uh, I mean, Penn State plays Iowa this week. That's going to be a a trap game. But Penn State, granted, they've played Pitt, they've played uh, Akron, Akron, and they played Georgia State, Goss State. Uh, so not exactly the stiffest of competition, but they've they've been in very, very impressive because they've just thoroughly dominated everyone. So they're handling. I mean, they, uh, yeah, I still have to wait and see. Yep. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to be. I'm going. I'm going to be slow to come around on Penn State, as you can imagine. Um, and I'm going to need to see them. See them uh, do th- do some things here. They're, but they seem to be on a mission. They are. They are not playing down to their competition, like the, like Ohio State, like USC is. I guess that's what I'm. I'm saying they are looking really good yeah. thus far. And there's been a lot of uh, teams that have played bad against bad teams, and they they are not one of them. They have uh, they have done what what uh, what what they should. That is good. That is a feather in their cap once we get to the end of this year. And if uh, USC is in the mix and Texas is like a six and six team, we can look back and say you probably should have lost to Texas. What? So every again, when we're looking at teams that are undefeated or have one loss at the end of the year, um, you got to be very very precise. You have to look very deep into it and say, hey, look at every game. And I think that Texas game, whether that'll be a difference or not, we'll see. But uh, What is a superlative that we can give to describe what Oklahoma State did to Pittsburgh in the first half? A massacre. A goddamn massacre. Superlative. It was a beatdown. It was a massacre. It was a drubbing. It looked like a uh, like a high school football game between between Tiazza number one Zona and number two and Roosevelt. Pretty much between uh, between uh, between uh, 2005 West Central and Pine Ridge is what it looked like. There we go. <laughs> yeah, Rudolph looking pretty good. Still like Oklahoma to uh, 
to win the deal there, but um, and, and it's looking like Oklahoma and Oklahoma State. Um, you've been you've been on the, on the Pac-12 with Washington and USC mm-hmm. undefeated, and they're both in with one's undefeated and one's one loss. I'm, I'm, I think I'm going I'm going I, Big Twelve. If I could switch, I would go Big Twelve right now. Yeah, I mean we're looking at Oklahoma and Oklahoma State. I said I said yesterday I think the biggest game left on the schedule is Oklahoma State and Oklahoma. Um, and again, I think they're probably going to play each other again. Uh, in, in the big final game. So, do we um, do we think? Sorry to cut you off there, but would the is the Big Twelve championship potentially going to hurt both Oklahoma and Oklahoma State this year? Either a from the standpoint of them getting one team in, but potentially getting two teams in. If they split, that's not good. Whoever wins the first one has got to win the second one. Um. I think just whether it's name recognition or the conference they're in, I do not believe the team that loses that game would have would get in the playoff anyway if they had no conference title game just because it is the Big 12. So um, I'm not saying they shouldn't be in. I don't think they will be in. If you have Oklahoma, if you had Oklahoma undefeated and Oklahoma State at one loss and their only loss was uh, Oklahoma who would be ranked we no less than number two or three. Uh, you could, I mean, I would have no problem making an argument Oklahoma State should also be in the playoff. Um, if they both lose, that's interesting. But um, and, and if one of those teams has two losses and they're both to the same team, uh, I would be fine putting them in, but I don't expect that to happen. It's contingent, too, on what... Ohio State and Penn State do in the in the Big Ten. Michigan, uh, also you know like likewise with Washington and USC in the Pac-12. Clemson uh, in the ACC. So I mean, there's a lot uh, of moving parts here to this, but it's an interesting um, thought also, to bring up here right now. This Week Four slate is looks also, at o- yeah. Oklahoma has the Ohio State win, which is going to be good. Yes, and that will Oklahoma, put them. Yeah, ahead Oklahoma of. State. Yeah, Oklahoma State doesn't have that win. They, they didn't play anybody in the non-conference. That's going to be good enough. So between the two, Oklahoma State, they need to win it more. Does Oklahoma Oklahoma can probably get in with the one loss. Oklahoma State probably can't. Does it so. say something, though, for Oklahoma State that their lone home non-conference game was against Tulsa? And, yes, I, I don't know no, why no. they scheduled a South Alabama road game. Uh I, I don't. They did you have the home and home with Pittsburgh, so they had to go to Pitt this year. Pittsburgh's not very good, but that's not Oklahoma State's fault that that's how it happens to fall. I mean, so I, I get that it, it hasn't been nearly as difficult as Oklahoma's slate, but the fact that they did go on the road for two games in the non-conference, I think does something for them. Not a whole lot, but it does say a little something that they're not scheduling cupcakes like Baylor or like yeah. Alabama. And even Baylor's cupcakes are like, oh, you know, we'll just go awesome. on and beat you. Uh, thank you, Liberty. Thank you, Texas San Antonio. Um, but but you know what I mean. They're actually like going out on the road for these some of these games. I don't care if you do play South Alabama on the road. I give you credit for going on the road. Don't be like Florida, who never who never goes on the road. Um, yeah, do go go on the road. That's do something, even if it's a garbage scumming. You know, Miami with Arkansas State that didn't happen, and uh, what Miami or was it Georgia at Appalachian State? Hell of a deal. 
Good job Miami, going on the road. I will State last year. I'll give them credit. Uh, I'll give them credit. So yeah. Uh, this week's slate. Uh, anything else from week three that uh, really caught your eye? Stanford. Uh, they're on the outskis now of the college football playoff, or they would have to run the table and hope for uh, a miracle to happen. After losing to San Diego State, that was a good win for the the Jackrabbits of San Diego. I mean, the, the Aztecs of, of San Diego State. Uh, then you have uh, Vanderbilt, our Vanderbilt squad. Can we say that our Vanderbilt squad uh, taking down? I suppose. I uh, suppose. Just because Nashville is our favorite city outside of, I mean, it just it's the best city in the in the Southern U.S. Like. So they, they take out Kansas State. This Jesse Ertz, who is supposed to like, you know, be the leader for Kansas State and help them potentially win the Big Twelve this year, he had seventy six yards and two interceptions. So I don't know if it's what something that's Coach Mason's doing, but a terrible job there by Ertz and Kansas State. And credit Vanderbilt's defense. And the defense is very good. Um give them credit best game I saw and again we didn't mention it until late when we talked yesterday we didn't mention it here today I think it's a game that's going to be lost to time uh, best game I saw was Memphis UCLA yes. yep. uh, first game of the day uh, Memphis was only a two point hundred two and a half point and a half point underdog um, thought they'd win they did uh, UCLA lost I'm happy with that um, Josh Rosen he's uh I mean, he's, he's exciting. I don't know if he's going to be any good in the NFL, but he's, they play exciting games, and uh, leading comebacks, he's awfully good. But um, exciting game back and forth. Uh, Memphis got up early. US, uh, UCLA got a lead. Uh, Memphis led for most of the second half by, like, a score, but it was came down to the end. thought it was a fantastic game. Uh, really, really liked it. Oh, there you go. Uh, yeah. I, I, I guess I forgot. Oh, yeah. Uh, Josh Rosen kind of cost UCLA in this game, though, didn't he, with a couple of bad interceptions? Yeah, a couple of throws that weren't great. <laughs> I mean, he's going to uh, he's going to throw it. He's going to make a lot of good throws, and uh, he's going to make a lot of bad throws. I mean, he did not play well against A&M until the last quarter, so he just gets washed over because, because he won. Um thought it was a good game. Memphis might be a team that wins like 9-10 games. And uh, yeah, UCLA maybe the sixth best team in the Pac-12. Stanford, USC, Washington, Oregon. Yep. Yep. Um, this this <clears> next <throat> week, not a good slate. You have two games featuring ranked teams against one another. Uh, the other... I'm finally starting to come around on... There's some interesting games finally, but they may not be good. Uh, by the way, my my Hokie squad started out slow against East Carolina. I thought it was deja vu all over again, but uh, they they pantsed East Carolina. Uh, this was a, a good win. Get the monkey off the back because they can't ever seem to beat East Carolina. Um, I don't know if Virginia Tech's for real or not, but uh, they are certainly going to make some noise here in the ACC. Also, Nebraska. Oh yes, how do you, how, I was debating between them and Iowa in our uh, in our pick'em for the week, and I kept flipping back and forth in, in the schedule. I was like, okay, I'm going Nebraska. No, let me look here, take Iowa, and then at the end, I said, you know what? I feel much better about Iowa's chances of beating North Texas than I do Nebraska's of beating Northern Illinois, and so. 
by that logic, I just said, you know what, I'm going to take Iowa even though uh, they have more winnable games down the stretch, and, I, and I'm glad I, I did. And what Northern High, Northern Illinois has won like five Big Ten games in a row, or five or six. So uh, they own the Big Ten. Are they a potential uh, landing spot? Let's say we kick Rutgers out and put Northern Illinois in. That need vast improvements, but the uh, Cal Illinois doesn't uh, doesn't uh, they they like their uh, they like their Northeast uh, New York New Jersey. I know Rutgers is just massive in Manhattan. I'm sure, but. Uh, what a, what a dog fart that's been. So. <laughs> I like the dog fart there. Uh, but you look at these you know, teams, the, like you said, the only two matchups between ranked teams, TCU against Oklahoma State and Georgia and Mississippi State. That looks like it's going to be a dandy of a game. Too bad game day decided to go to New York City. Um, that seems like a mistake. But I digress. Uh, Penn State got a bit of a trap game against Iowa. Auburn's not going to have to worry about Missouri. Florida, Kentucky looks like a very good game, uh, but other, I mean, does Washington have to be concerned with Colorado? Does Oregon have to be concerned with Arizona State? And uh, I mean, these other ones. Oklahoma's going to kick the shit out of Baylor. Uh, Washington State, you got this. Uh, Miami's going to be Toledo. USC maybe has a tough one against Cal. Clemson's going to kick the shit out of Boston College and and. Virginia Tech should be able to beat Old Dominion, though Old Dominion looked good against North Carolina. Alabama plays Vanderbilt. That's good. But just, I mean, are there really any games that we can see there being some big upsets? I think Purdue beats Michigan. And I like, I really like Michigan. They played so poor in their first three games. Um, I think Purdue beats Michigan. Oh, that would be a good one. That would I'm picking Purdue. All right, let's do it. Let's get on this Boilermaker bandwagon here. I mean, Purdue's been uh, very bad since uh, the future Viking quarterback uh, was with them 20 years ago. Yes. But uh, uh, Purdue's got Michigan this week. God forbid they win that game. Uh, they got the Gophers. Uh, I think they got a bye week, and they got the Gophers, who uh, might be uh, undefeated or have one loss. Uh, then they're at Wisconsin. So, um Let's let's see let's see where Purdue is at halfway through the year. Michigan, Minnesota, Wisconsin is their toughest stretch. If they can get through that, let's see. They can get through that three and three. They got a pretty easy road the rest of the way. Three, four, five. They they can maybe win seven or eight games. If they, they can win seven games, if they pull an upset, maybe they can win eight. What a deal! Very good. Jeff Brom, Jeff Brom, head coach. Uh, he's been good. Jeff Brown. Get excited. Yes. Yes, no doubt. Uh, anything else college football related? Uh, nope, that's about it. Uh, and not, not not a great last week. Um, I'm excited for these games that uh, may, may be uh, decided early. I'm open for, I'm open for one. we got to get one. Um, baseball what, now? What is, what, what, what is the prime game of the week here? What is the... Uh, it's Penn State, the, Iowa. Penn State, Iowa is your game. God damn. Florida, Kentucky is on the SEC Network. I'd yep. like to take a look at that. So, I mean, I could uh, give me Purdue and give me Kentucky. They, they put Florida, Kentucky on the SEC Network yet. They give us uh, Auburn, Missouri on ESPNU. That yeah. sounds like a, a, a mistake in programming there by the 
by the worldwide leader. I would prefer to see the other one, yes. Um, those are my two games, Kentucky and Purdue. Let's get it going. Uh, baseball, final two weeks of the season. Twins have lost 2-1 in their uh, series opener to the Yankees. Angels are breathing down their backs. Uh, twins did go, what, 4-2 and two last week? Uh, yep. That was it. Was good. They had an offensive explosion Sunday against the Blue Jays. I would have liked to see them take three or four from Toronto. Uh, I thought that was necessary, given that this is a difficult ten-game road trip coming up here. But uh, they do. It is ten, right? Yeah, they have four against the Tigers. So uh, I'm overall. Twins are still looking pretty good, but uh, there's no breathing room yet for them to make the playoffs. No, I, mean, I believe it's going to come down to the last weekend, if not the last game. I mean, Houston's got a hell of a schedule with Cleveland and Houston this week. Uh, Angels have a schedule with Houston and Cleveland. Again, Twins, East Detroit. Detroit stands in your way of making the playoffs. Don't let them spoil your goddamn playoffs. Don't. So I know I'm talking about Minnesota sports here, I, but uh, no reason why they shouldn't be in the playoffs. No I, reason why. I don't need another reason to hate Detroit. You know, um, Minnesota, I mean, get get it done. You're better than the Angels. If they were to tie, which I'd be fine with, give me one extra game. Uh, It would be in Minnesota. So, Angels, yeah, I mean, they don't like their pitching a whole lot. And um, lineup is is okay. But uh, we all hate Mike Sosha, so don't root for him. Right. Uh, The Dodgers... Uh, they came back to, you know, after that 11-game losing streak, won four in a row, have now lost two in a row. But, um, I mean, they look good. I I got to tell you, though, if there's one team out there that I think has a chance to beat them, it's the Diamondbacks. I I just like the, the, um, the way they've come back this year. I like Paul Goldschmidt a lot. The pitching's been good. I I think the Diamondbacks are the biggest threat to the Dodgers in terms of getting out of the NL. And the and the Diamondbacks might not even make it uh, to the divisional round because they could lose in the wild card. But if there is a team out there, I think it's the Diamondbacks. We all like the Rockies, but um, yeah, I want to see Arizona. I want to see Arizona and the Dodgers. They've won at least six in a row against the Dodgers. They have Grinky who can match Kershaw. Um, their bullpen is very good. Uh, it's been revamped. Archie, Arch, Archie Bradley, uh, prospect, starter, didn't do well. He got hit in the, hit with a comebacker in the face a year or so ago. Um, he's grown a beard. He, he is their Andrew Miller type guy. So if you haven't heard of him, get on board. Archie Bradley could be that guy that comes and throws a couple innings. Is that your pitcher of the week? The, Sure. If you, yeah, Archie Bradley. If you want a, a an African American horse in in the deal here, um, that's uh, that's a guy that's maybe going to be a star. Um, Archie Bradley would be my pick. But um, yeah, I mean, uh, JD Martinez. They pulled that trade off, and he's at last check he had twenty two home runs in like fifty games. So he's been a great addition to the offense. He's uh, he's been tremendous, and. Um, yeah, Arizona. Dave, uh, I would love to see that series. I mean, Washington's good. I, I, Bryce Harper is still not in the lineup, correct? He is not. 
So, I mean, that's still a concern for Washington, though I do like the prospect of having Strasburg and, and Scherzer pitch potentially twice each in a series. Um, yeah, I would like those chances there. I'm not sold on the Cubs this year. I mean, they could still they still could find a way to lose to the Brewers. Uh, the Brewers are within striking distance, and they have a big series coming up here. So, um, I they have to uh, they got to sweep the Cubs. Yes, so three and a half back. They they can't take two out of three, or what is it? Two. They got to sweep. It's a four game series. Got to take three of four. If you take three or four, you still gain only two games. Still be uh, a game or two out. Yeah, it's um, that'll be interesting. It is. Uh, it is at home. That's. Uh, I would say that is your big series of the weekend: Cubs, Brewers. Yep. Very exciting. Yep. So uh, go Brew Crew. Let's let's see what you can do. Um, other than that, the Indians their twenty-two game winning streak came to an end, and I don't know about you, but I was very sad when I saw that uh, Kansas City beat them. Yeah, I was kind of looking at the schedule. I'm like, they got four against Kansas City. Kansas City's probably going to be the team. Because I don't think they're winning 25, six in a row. And uh, I mean, they, they, I think they split the four-game series. They probably, Kansas City probably should have won three or four. But uh, hell of a streak, great streak. Uh, very impressive. Uh, some of the stats that they, they compiled in the streak is very good. Um it's, it was their, their pitching was. I think they outscored their opponents by a hundred runs. Uh, they had seven shutouts, I believe. Uh, really, just just the best twenty-two. I would imagine the best twenty-two game stretch ever. It was it was great. Is, is what they were doing. I, it was great. The fa- the crowds at these games were not great until you know the last two when they had twenty-one, twenty-two, and then eventually lost so finally i think cleveland got the message uh, the city of cleveland what do you um what do we th- what do we think about the, the you know cleveland in the playoffs and you know of course hopefully the crowd would come out in full force for them then their pitching is very good everybody's gonna pick them to win the whole thing i think i think everybody's gonna pick them to at least get there uh, if you base it on war, 96 Braves pitching staff accumulated the most war, wins above replacement of any pitching staff ever, just under 30. Cleveland right now is second all-time, projected to be number one by two weeks. So when, when, you, when you look at that, that's awfully impressive what, what Cleveland has done. You could make an argument they're the best pitching staff ever based on war, but... Um, Kluber, I am, I'm picking Kluber over sale at the moment for Cy Young. Uh, Trevor Bauer, the guy I don't like, is uh, vastly improved the last month and a half. He strikes a lot of guys out. He's the guy that sliced his uh, finger off last year. That was stupid. Um, they have Carlos Carrasco, who's a good pitcher. They have Danny Salazar, who's a, normally a starter, but he'll probably be a bullpen guy, and he could go multiple innings. Uh, their bullpen is very good. Um, yeah, they have people picked them at the beginning of the year. Uh, Lindor's picked it up. He's hit 30-some home runs. They're getting to 30 home runs. They're the best team in baseball top to bottom, and they won 20 games, 22 games in a row. So they are they're pretty goddamn good. Um, David Price potentially coming out of the bullpen for the Red Sox. Is that the best thing for them? Well... 
he's only got a couple weeks here to get going. And it's going to be all Chris Sale. He's never pitched a playoff game. Uh, I believe his second halves are not as good as his first halves, and that's true again this year. They may lose to Cy Young. They've got him. They don't have much else. Um, they've got uh, Drew Pomeranz. He's, he's all right. Uh, Priscilla won the Cy Young last year. Uh, kind of embarrassing. He's awful. I don't even know if he'll be in the rotation come the playoffs. So, uh, yeah, I don't. Boston, Boston's pitching Doug Fister. Uh, pitched very poorly on Monday against Baltimore. He may not have a, a spot in the rotation. So uh, they're starting pitching. Not uh, not real impressive. So if it's yeah, I hope we're headed to Houston and Cleveland. That'd be a, I think that'd be a great ALCS. That'd be great. Would it would very much indeed. Um, there's a boxing match this week. Uh, uh, Canelo Alvarez Alvarez against Triple G. It ended in a draw. Uh, boxing, has, uh, I was pleasantly surprised to see that the two fighters are talking about a rematch already. I think that's great for boxing, but the judging has not been good. And this dates back to the Australia fight between what uh, Manny Pacquiao and was it Jeff Horn. Uh, then you have the you know the the spectacle that was Manny Pacquiao and. Conor McGregor, but now you have this fight. Floyd Mayweather. Floyd Mayweather. Who did I say? Manny. Oh, I, I apologize. I meant I meant uh, Floyd Mayweather. But uh, so you have that, and now you have this uh, one lady. I guess scored it what like ten to two. One. In, in, like ten one eight, to two. Yeah. I mean this. One eighteen, one ten. One eighteen, one ten. Boggles the mind, it seems. Uh, that uh, has gotten a lot of criticism, and apparently she has had some uh, issues with the, with, like I said, the Pacquiao Horn fight. But uh, this en- this fight ends in a draw. What did you make of it? And uh, do you hope for a rematch going forward? Oh, there will be a rematch. So I suppose that is good. Uh, Golovkin, the Eastern European Russian gentleman, just call him Triple uh, a G. Older. Yeah, Triple G for easy, uh, easy going there. Uh, he's an older gentleman. Um, for some reason, Canelo Alvarez is a big draw. Um, I suppose because he is Hispanic. He doesn't look Hispanic. Uh, he's like 15-0 or 59-1. His one loss was to Mayweather. And uh, he, I mean, he lost this fight. Uh, the other guy, one judge had it 7-5. The other judge had it 7-5 for the other guy. Re- by all by all accounts, reasonable. You can make the case seven five either way. Um, the other other guy probably should have won eight to four or so. How you can have a ten rounds to two uh, for the guy that probably lost is is very bad. Um, I'm sure she'll continue to judge. Uh, she has in the past with equally terrible decisions. So um, if they want to clean it up, uh, they would, but they don't. So if she's out there again uh, in some other fight. It'll be it'll be a potential for a disaster. Yeah, so, those that want to scream conspiracy theory, or like a conspiracy theory out here, do you buy that at all? I don't know why. Because what, what, at the end of these fights, we're never talking about the fights. We're talking about the judges, we're talking about the decisions, and why they're so bad. And by all accounts, this was this was the biggest fight of the year between two boxers. And it was maybe one, it was one of the best fights of the year, and 
we're not talking about that. We're not hearing how good it was. We're hearing about how the judge had an awful decision. So we'll fight again uh, probably early next year. And um, maybe even uh, the May 5th, Cinco de Mayo. They always have a big fight then. So uh, we'll see. It would be big. I, w- I would uh, enjoy seeing a rematch here. Uh, do you have anything else before we say so long? There's another hurricane. It looks like a big one. Maria. Maria. How do you solve a problem like Maria? Go north. Go north. Go <laughs> inland. Inland. Do you, do you know? Was it uh, was it Maria? Is that uh, was that West Side Story or is that Sound of Music? You got me there, folks. Let's see. I haven't seen either. Um. Well, there was a TV series called that over in Britain, which is uh, interesting. This, um, uh, The Sound of Music? Sound of Music. Okay, that's what I was initially thinking here. Um, speaking of Sound of Music, uh, let, let's just listen to this again. I mean, this is... This is what you want to listen to. This is the sound of music. Very good stuff. All right. Um, with that, um, I got nothing else. One more note. Yes. One yes, more yes, note. Yep. Uh, Bobby Heenan was a pro wrestling manager through the 60s, 70s, and 80s, early 90s. He was very good at what he did. He died Sunday. And uh, he was he was very good. I will say that. I uh, I uh, I am sorry for your loss and for the entire wrestling world's loss. Terrific. He was uh, he was an entertainer, so he was uh, he was great. Uh, you may even find some of his stuff funny. So he was uh, he was good. He was well. The the, the best way I saw it, uh, saw it described, uh, he did what he did better than anybody else did what they did so he was he was good very good uh well i know we'll have plenty to talk about next week so gear up my friend and uh we'll, sure i'm sure you're positive okay i'm I, I think so i'm ready very good okay oh my goodness look at eli just throws shit up there yeah. giants are gonna lose giants are gonna be bad um uh, panic in new york Maybe a teaser for next week. Should they start over? 0-2. 0-2, start over. Are you saying that instead of Drew Brees, a certain... uh... No, I don't want Eli. I don't want him. No, I would not want him. Maybe he can go to New Orleans. Go back to your roots. How about that? Yes, he goes there and Drew Brees goes to Minnesota. I'll find the dotted line on that, sure. Let's go. Let's let's do it here. Count me in. Very good. All right. We'll talk to you next week. All right. We will see you. Travis Crins join us here at Sports Block Podcast. Uh, great stuff as always. Again, Evan Hendershot. I think I got that right. Uh, shaving his head because the Twins will win 80 games. Uh, I'll reach out to him, see if he wants to donate those locks of love to charity. And, of course, uh, the great music, of course. I mean... Again, if you watch this on on uh, on Sunday Night Football, you heard it. Maybe maybe you didn't catch on, but this—I mean, this is great stuff. I hope it's coming through. 
on the on the podcast here on the Soundside Greats. Uh, just, I mean, this. How how can you not like listening to this? I'm a, I'm a sports theme uh, geek, so I, I get that. But uh, this is good stuff right here. Uh, coming up, Charlie Hildebrand will join us to talk. Uh, will join me to to uh, talk college football, not related to this uh, sports theme music at all. And uh, we'll wrap up the podcast then, as we always do, with a look back at uh, what happened the previous week in the NFL. Make some picks for week uh, for the upcoming week. Therefore, it'll be week three in the Sports Block Podcast. Now available on iTunes. All right, continuing here, Sports Block Podcast. Uh, pleased to be joined by my good friend, Charlie Hildebrand, resident college football expert here from the Sioux City Journal. Uh, Charlie, how are we doing? Glad to be back on the stack attack. That's well, thank you. It's always good to have you on. Uh, just, a, just we're going to throw it out there right away. I doubt, I don't think we'll be playing bull bounder not tonight, but uh, or this oh, this week. I figured, that, I figured we were going to, and the first one was going to be Nebraska. Are they bull bound or not bull bound? I figured we would probably wait with that just a couple more weeks. I mean, maybe we'll throw in a couple here as I as I pull up the standings. Just some surprises, perhaps. Let's go. Let's begin there before we take a look at uh, what happened this last week because there were a, a number of storylines but we were three weeks into the college football season technically four if you want to count what Stanford and you know South Florida did uh, you know the week before Labor Day but um, as it, since we're technically three weeks in what has been the uh, what has surprised you most or what stood out most so far through the first few weeks? I think, and, and this may be just because it's the thing most recent and it's easier to remember the surprising things from this past Saturday more so than week one or week two, but the thing that sticks out the most to me is just how good Clemson still is. I mean, I thought Clemson was built to be successful for quite a while, the way things were, the way Dabo's built things there. But after losing, you know, Deshaun Watson, best quarterback in school history, losing one of the best receivers they've ever had, really good tight end and running back, I thought that, you know, like, they'd still be good, but they might take a step or two back, go 9-3, and 10-2. And, and then you toss in the fact that Florida State's quarterback's out for the year. And all of a sudden, it's like, I don't know, Clemson might go 11-1 and or 12-0 and be rolling into the playoffs undefeated. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, like, it wouldn't be surprising if they lost a game or two still just because it's college football. But, man, the way their defense looked, especially against Lamar Jackson and the reigning Heisman Trophy winner, like, I, I don't know how you could be a team playing Clemson and just be like, yeah, I don't know, I think we'll be all right on offense. Like, I think you would look and just be like, oh, my God. That's terrifying. How are we going to score any points against them? Exactly, and I mean, I had them finishing ten and two this season, so I thought they would do fairly well, but still, you know, come back down to earth a little bit here. Are we kind of looking at the second coming of a like a, a another Alabama? Are they Alabama two And what I mean by that is they're just going to kind of 
you know, restock, re- retool, and reload year after year, disp- and kind of be in the national championship uh, contention or that sort of talk. I mean, maybe that's getting a little bit ahead of ourselves because what Nick Saban is doing at Alabama is rather unprecedented. But given you know the, the talent that Florida State has, you have other you know good schools like Virginia Tech and Miami. But Clemson is sustaining this success here. Uh, are we looking at a possible uh, long extended run for Clemson? Do you think? I wouldn't go as far to say Alabama 2.0, just because no nobody's won as many national titles in as short of a time frame as Alabama has. Right. At least in the full era. You know, I don't care that Michigan won all those state national titles in like 1903 or whatever. But, and this is basically, I think all you could realistically hope for, and this would still be a fantastic thing to be. They kind of remind me of, like, Oklahoma, like, right when Bob Stoops started there, like, after he won a national title in his second year through, like, 2008, I think. Like, I think Clemson can be that, where, you know, they might have a year where they lose two games, you know, maybe you lose your bowl and go 10-3, and but every single year, you're going to have to look at them and say they're either going to be the favorite in the ACC, or they are going to certainly play a large role and it wins it. And if you win the conference with one or fewer losses, you're probably going to get in the playoffs. So, I don't know. I just I remember, and maybe it's just being a Nebraska guy, and I remember seeing Oklahoma playing so much when Nebraska was in the Big 12 in the early to mid-2000s. But there were times where Oklahoma would lose guys and be like, well, how are they going to replace these guys? And it's like, oh, yep, they're still fantastic. And I, right. I, I think that they will be like like Oklahoma then. You know, I'm trying to – that's the first one, that, or at least that's the first that popped into my head. Oklahoma has been surprising, I think, a little bit this year. At least to me, I thought maybe they would take a small step back now that Bob Stoops was out of the picture. You have a young you know, head coach in Lincoln Riley who's never done this before, but you still have Baker Mayfield. Bob He's great running backs also. Yes, yep. Uh, but they are doing just fine. They went into Ohio State, beat the pants off them. So Oklahoma been a, a very good surprise. And how – I mean, so they, of course, are, are right in the mix – and, and rightfully so. Uh, but how surprised are you from what we've seen from Oklahoma thus far? A, a little. I think, you know, through three games, mostly, I, I'm, I'm surprised they beat Ohio State. I'm not surprised. Like, if it would have been close and they would have lost, I wouldn't have been surprised. I, I maybe wouldn't have even been surprised with, like, a field goal for Oklahoma to win. But the way they basically in the second half... Like just made it look like they just looked better, like everywhere. So I that was surprising. It, I mean, you look at it now, and I, I don't want to knock the other eight teams in the Big Twelve because you know they're about to start conference play, and some teams are going to have a say in how things work. But it basically looks like we're going to get a huge game in late October, early November, bedlam between Oklahoma and Oklahoma State. And then we're going to get a rematch of it in the Big 12 title game with the winner having a really, really strong chance of going to the playoff then. Uh, like, I, I think we talked about this on the Sports Lounge podcast. Yep. Like, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, 
I mean, it, it's tough to say now definitively what the biggest game of the year in the regular season is going to be. But right now, that looks the one, to me at least, other than maybe Florida State-Clemson, is the one that it's just like, oh yeah, both those teams are probably going to be ranked in the top five, and it's going to have the biggest say in how the playoff race shakes out going forward. A uh, team that's not going to be in the mix at the end of the season in terms of college football playoff, or really, you know, being in the conference championship, but a, a team that I think has surprised a little bit this year, I would have to give that uh, towards Purdue in the Big Ten. They have real, I mean, the way they played Louisville in that first game there in Indianapolis, I think, surprised a lot of people. They went and pantsed Missouri here, or de-pantsed Missouri, I should say, uh, this last week in. Uh, Columbia, what have you made of... They beat them so bad, they probably both took their pants off and put different ones on. They could do whatever they want with Missouri's pants. (laughs) That's right. Uh, What have you made of Purdue? Because they certainly seem to have a lot of offense, uh, a lot of offensive explosiveness this year, and they've been kind of a fun team to watch. Yeah, I know the previous two years under Daryl Hazel, who, I mean, clearly Hazel didn't work out as the head coach at Purdue... But they had David Blau at quarterback, who they basically were just like, we're not good, you need to throw it a lot and try to win games for us. And it didn't work great, and that's why he got fired. But they still got David Blau, and now bringing in Brian Brown from Western Kentucky, you know, running. Like it's, I think sometimes it's oversimplified to call it the spread offense, and the spread doesn't mean what it used to. But basically running what he did at Western Kentucky, you know, with – spreading the field out, putting the ball in your playmaker's hands in space. It worked really well there. I thought it might take a little bit of time to get things to work at Purdue, but through three games, they look really, really good. I mean, like you said, they lost by a touchdown to Louisville. I think they beat Ohio in week two. Yes. And I'm not trying to say that, like, the Bobcats are great, but they generally win seven, eight, nine games a year in the MAC. And, and those, most importantly, aren't games that Purdue's usually won recently. Yep. Well, do remember Ohio Missouri's beat Kansas. Really bad, but they, they just beat, I mean, they won by four and a half touchdowns. Right. Well, remember, Ohio did beat Kansas. So, I mean, that's, for, for whatever that's worth, Ohio did beat yeah, Kansas. That's true. Out to the Power Five win. Yep. Uh, Maryland, uh, they had, the, of course, a surprise win at Texas. Right away, uh, then they beat they beat Towson. How uh, seriously should we be taking Maryland? I don't think, in, in terms of the race for the who's going to win the Big Ten East, I don't think they're going to play much of a role in that. But I think they're good enough that if things kind of break right, it's certainly possible that they could beat Michigan or Michigan State or Penn State. Or I mean, well, I think I wouldn't be surprised at all if they beat Michigan State, but. But of the other big three teams, uh, Michigan, Ohio State, and Penn State, I don't think they're going to beat any of them, but I wouldn't be completely stunned, especially if they play one of them at home, if they find a way to win. But, like, I I don't know. Like, I could see Maryland going 8-4 and four and, you know, playing in the Outback Bowl or the Holiday Bowl, Holy which cow. is, you know, a lot better than they've been right. for at least the last five or six years. What? I mean, especially when you take into account that I mean, they're in the toughest, second toughest division in all of college football. I mean, I 
you mentioned Maryland and you mentioned Purdue. I don't know if they play each other because they're in different divisions. What? I hope they do, though, and I want to watch Maryland and Purdue play each other. Did Maryland... Which is something that nobody would have thought anyone would be saying a month ago. Did Maryland play in the in the Quick Lanes Bowl last year? Was that against, like, Boston College? I believe so, yeah. Okay. Against Boston College in a low-scoring kind of growth game that I think Boston College won, like, 24 to 20. Yeah. Yep. Uh, just looking here, Maryland does not play Purdue this year. The two crossover games for them are Minnesota. Oh, they have uh, three crossover games, excuse me. It is uh, Wisconsin, Northwestern, and Minnesota. So, but yeah. I, I can see beating Northwestern and Minnesota. I think it'll be tough to beat Wisconsin, but I mean, it looks it looks more plausible now than it did three weeks ago. Right. Right. And and, like, it's not going to happen, but, I mean, like, clearly I feel comfortable in saying that my Cornhuskers aren't going to win the Big Ten West. <laughs> so I am all in on I want Purdue, Maryland in the Big Ten title. Okay, let's get it going here. Right, uh, B.J. Durkin, bring it on. How about Rutgers? Where does Rutgers fit in that mix in terms of where you want, if you want to see them in the Big I Ten championship? I don't know. We'll, we'll see how they do against Nebraska this year. They're both, they play this upcoming weekend. They're both one and two. I would advise, if you, unless you're a fan of one of those two teams, you probably don't want to watch that game. <laughs> Fair enough. In the ACC, four teams are 3-0. and Clemson, Virginia Tech, both 3-0. and They've looked impressive thus far. They have a big game coming up here in a couple of weeks. Uh, Wake Forest and Duke are also 3-0. and How serious, like, which team is, who's more for real, Wake Forest or Duke, or are they both for real, or are they not? You get to choose. I think you, we, we've got to define what you mean by for real. For real, are you talking like legit chance to win the division or just go to a bowl game? I would say, yeah, I would not just like a, a finish like a six and six sort of year. And but can they can they make some noise? Can they make uh, can they make things interesting when they when they take on like when Wake takes on Clemson and Louisville and Florida State? Uh, can can Duke challenge Virginia Tech, Miami, and, and Georgia Tech? Uh, Kind of just make these games close. Maybe you know get a get an upset win here and there. Finish eight and four, nine and three. Let's say uh, can can neither one of these teams kind of kind of shock a, a couple of people here and pull off some upsets. Let's put it this way: I don't think either of them are going to win the division. I feel I still feel confident it's going to be either your Hokies or Miami is going to win the division. Yep, but. I think that we could be at a point where it's November and neither of them are mathematically eliminated from the division. It might not be likely that they'll win, but I think that we will probably, you know, with four games left, it's not crazy to be like, oh, well, you know, you guys are both, with three games left, that they're both like six and three, and they could be like, hey, maybe we have a chance to win eight or nine games in the regular I, I, like, I'll put it that way. I, I think they can go from we just want to go six and six and make a bowl to we're gonna at least we're, we're gonna at least be in the conversation in early November for winning the division, sure, and have a chance in playing in a better bowl game than we've played in in ten years. Maybe I should have prefaced it by saying, well, I mean, could will they be bowl eligible by the beginning of November? I guess. I mean, I would term that as a as a success, and then. Uh, and then see what happens as they falter down the stretch. If they falter down the stretch, uh, take a look at some of the more disappointing teams or the, uh, 
you know, East Carolina's 0-3. I don't know how big of a shock that is, but, uh, I mean, normally we're, we're kind of used to seeing East Carolina get some wins. I mean, Virginia Tech absolutely slaughtered them 64-17, but East Carolina was up 17-7 this past week. Uh, I, I don't mean to bring up Nebraska, but they did lose to Northern Illinois. No, that's fine. That's the way it works. I mean, when you're bad and it's notable that you're as bad as you are, it's worth mentioning. Texas? Like, I'm, I'm not 17. I can talk about it. Okay. Uh, Nebraska and Texas are each one and two. Baylor's zero and three, and everyone looked at their non-conference and like, well, okay, apart from Duke, that's very uh, soft. And they lose to Liberty and uh, University of Texas San Antonio at home. Uh, just looking through any of these other ones that kind of jump out. Um, not really, I guess. Uh, I mean, even Texas A&M kind of struggled with Louisiana. Now it's not Louisiana Lafayette, but A&M's 2-1. Who's been, out of those teams, or maybe, I mean, you can throw another team in there, of course. Uh, who's been some of the more disappointing teams uh, or uh, bad surprises so far this college football season? The most disappointing one, and again, this was based just off of this past weekend on Saturday. Because it's the first time they lost, and it's their only loss of the year so far. But I'm going to say LSU because they beat, they shut out BYU in week one and it looked good. A few weeks later, it looked like BYU is really bad, so beating them doesn't really mean anything. And they either beat a group of five team or an FCS team in week two. I don't remember who it was. Somebody that wasn't very good. And, you know, LSU, ranked 12th, playing Mississippi State. Might be a close game, but LSU should win. And, they ended up losing, I think, 37-7. to seven. Mm-hmm. Just got not kicked out of them. And I think, like, it, Dan Mullen is a good coach at Mississippi State. And it's impressive what he's done. But LSU shouldn't be in a situation where they lose by 30, probably to anybody. I mean, if you want to say it's going to happen to Alabama sometimes, so be it. But they shouldn't lose by 30 to anyone in conference, let alone somebody from Starkville, who just doesn't have any of the advantages that they have. And, you know, like we've talked in the past about Ed Orgeron, and it was a nice story. And, like, I don't want to throw dirt on his grave already and say they can't get things figured out because it's still just week three. But as of now, this looks like a situation where it's just like, yep, we, we like the interim guy and gave him a shot, and the early returns don't look that good right now. No, they do not. The offense, and, I mean... And like, if, if they would have lost, like, 17 to 14, it would have been like, oh, that's tough, but, you know, that happens. But to just get, like, beat up by Mississippi State... It's not good. It's not. It's not looking good for LSU. Well, and plus they got the offensive coordinator from Pittsburgh, what, what Matt Canada, right? I mean, he was supposed yep. to electrify this offense, and they still have the Purdue quarterback Etling, right? I mean, that's that's not a recipe for success at all. You need something better than that, I would imagine. And their defensive coordinator, Dave Aranda, who was really good at Wisconsin, was good at LSU last year. And, and I should say, I didn't watch the game. For all I know, it could be that LSU had three or that Mississippi State had three defensive touchdowns. But just looking at the final numbers where it says they scored 37, I mean, it just doesn't look great for for the defense. Which, I mean, at least the last five or six years, there were times LSU struggled, but it was always, hey, they're going to be really good on defense. Mm-hmm. It doesn't look good, giving up 37 points. Yeah, in I know. September, it's not principal, Penalties definitely were a factor 
in that one here. Um, so, uh, yeah, it, it, interesting. Any one of the any one of these teams uh, that we mentioned, who, or who is an early nomination again, bowl bound or not, uh, will be played here later in the season. Looking forward to the the return of that uh, game with you. But um, any one of these teams here that y- you thought maybe we're going to get to a bowl game this year and now it's like oh they they might not or vice versa um a team that you didn't think was going to and said okay yeah they're definitely not or have surprised you and said yeah they they will make a bowl this year i can give you two a team i thought would and now i don't think will and a team I thought would not, and now I think will. Okay. Which do you want to start with? Uh, let's go with the team that you thought would and wouldn't. We'll get the bad one out of the way first, the bad news. First one, Nebraska. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> They're 1-2 right now. They lost at home to Northern Illinois. Now, it's worth noting that, like, three years ago, Northern Illinois was really good when they had Jordan Lynch. But they went 5-7 and seven last year. And before their game in Lincoln on Saturday, Northern Illinois was 6-11 and in their last 17 games. And they walked into Lincoln with their backup quarterback and won. And if you're Nebraska and you can't beat Northern Illinois at home, I don't know how you're going to beat Northwestern or Minnesota or Iowa, let alone how you're going to beat Wisconsin or Ohio State or Penn State. So... I don't think they're going to – they're 1-2. and two. I don't think they're going to go 1-11. and 11. Like, I think they're going to beat Illinois. I think they're going to beat Purdue this – or, sorry, Rutgers this upcoming weekend. But I was going to say, I don't know if they're going to beat Purdue now. So, I think they can be – they could go, like, 5-7 and seven or 4-8 this year if things don't change. Uh, and then the other side – for a team, or were you gonna ask something? Well, I'll I'll get to that here after after uh, you give me the other team. And then the other one, a team that I thought would be bad because they've not been all that great the last few years. They fired their coach, brought in a new guy who I think was a defensive coordinator and had never been a head coach before. But Cal, Cal's three and zero right now. I thought Cal would be one and two or zero and three by this point. Now, granted, you know, they beat Ole Miss. Ole Miss might not be very good. Mm-hmm. They beat North Carolina. It turns out North Carolina might not be that good. But those are both Power 5 non-conference teams they beat. And they only need to win three more games to get to a bowl. I mean, they play in the Pac-12 North. So they get to play Oregon State. I feel like they're going to beat Oregon State to get to four. Yep. I don't know who they play from the South. If they play Arizona or Arizona State, though, it wouldn't be the least bit surprising if they beat them. Well, they, they've both been bad. I do know they play in USC that, uh, this week. Yeah, and, uh, you know, and you know what? I don't think they're going to beat USC, but it certainly looks more interesting now than it did before the season started. I didn't think it'd be a matchup of undefeated teams. So, I mean, I don't think Cal's going to win nine games this year. But I was thinking they were going to go like two and ten, and now it's like you know they might go six and six or seven and five. Uh, pulling up their schedule here, they do get Arizona and Colorado as well from the south. So I feel like they're going to beat Arizona and that they're going to beat Oregon State, and that puts them at five. And as we've seen, you can get to a bowl game at five and seven. Yep. I don't know how well they've graduated players at Cal. But they might. I mean, after that, you only need one more win. I mean, 
they also upsets in college football. Like I, I don't think Oregon or Washington State's going to lose to them, but I mean I don't know if I'd be stunned. Well, one. I, I I do see they also play UCLA. I'll give you their schedule here right now. So home this week against USC, then at or uh-huh. at Oregon loss. I would imagine. If it's at Oregon, I'm going to say. If it was in Cal, I might, I might think differently. I don't think they're going to win in Eugene, though. Yeah. I'm put them at three and two. Okay, at Washington. That's a loss. I tried to toy with I could pretend that maybe, but they're, they're not going to win at Washington. Home so to, them at three and three. Home to Washington State. I like Washington State. I don't know if I truly believe this, but. When you do what Washington State does, sometimes you have dud games. I'm going to say it's a dud in Berkeley and Kyle wins. That'll get them, I think, then to uh, bowl eligibility because then you have home against Arizona. That'll be a win. Win. At Colorado, probably a loss. I think think that's a loss, but I think that would be a toss-up game. Yep. I'm only saying loss because it's at Colorado. If it was was at Cal, I'd give them the benefit of the doubt. Home to Oregon State. Win and that's six. Yep, because then they finish the season at Stanford and at UCLA. So I, I think I feel fairly confident. So it's a good they got that win with two games left on the season, man. Yep. So feel fairly confident in saying that uh, they will lose those final two. So it's really, I think, then I think we can agree it comes down to Washington State. Yeah, although, I mean, you know, I could, I could see him beating UCLA also. Okay. I mean, they... Well, hell, Memphis like, did it well, this last this week. You, you don't want to be in the situation where you're cow and you have to win that game to go to a bowl game. You want to already have it. And it's tough to beat Rosen. But Cal appears to be able to score points. UCLA is not very good on defense. And even though Rosen's good, as we've seen both in a win against A&M and a loss to Memphis. There's times he makes odd decisions and throws balls he shouldn't. And Cal, at least, I mean, I don't know if they're, like, really, really good on defense, but they look better on defense now than maybe since Aaron Rodgers was last playing for Cal. Yeah, or, uh, or Webb. Was it uh, Davis Webb? Is that Wasn't that the Cal quarterback last year? Um, maybe I already forgot. I don't even remember. <laughs> I know two years ago it was Jared Goff. I don't yes. remember who it was yep. last year. Um, it's just I wanted to go back to Nebraska uh, quickly, and then we'll we'll take a brief look back here at this week, and then get some uh, uh, picks from you for this up uh, upcoming week's games. But when when Nebraska hired Mike Riley from Oregon State. I, I didn't think that was a great hire. I mean, yes, what Mike Riley was doing at Oregon State was impressive given where it was, but it's it's still not – he's not facing the – or he's not feeling the pressure in Corvallis that he would coming to Lincoln with Nebraska, which is a bit – it's a better program than Oregon State. There's no uh, ifs, ands, or buts about it. Nebraska is just a better program, far yeah, more – a lot more attention, and it's a much bigger fishbowl than Oregon State. Yes, Hill. much more story. So I just – I didn't like the hire right away. Um, so I kind of splashed the cold water on this initially. I don't know how you felt initially when they, when they first hired him, but, I mean, I, I'm not – all that surprise that he's kind of struggling to make his mark in uh, in Lincoln. 
Yeah, I mean, I would generally agree with what you said. Like, when I first heard that it was him, I actually was asleep and got a text message from my sister, who graduated from Nebraska, that woke me up, and it said they hired Mike Riley. Who's Mike Riley? And I knew who he was, but I just remember thinking, what? Why did they hire him? And then I thought, I was like, you know, let's wait and see who he hires for his staff, who he gets as his coordinators and position coaches, and maybe I'll feel differently. I thought, you know, maybe now that he's out of school with more money, they'll, they'll invest more. And then I wasn't impressed with most of the hires he made. And he's uh, since he got to Nebraska, I think he's fired three different coaches to bring in new guys. And there was another guy who left for another job that Nebraska could have offered. I think they had a guy leave to go to Rice. Well, I'm pretty sure Nebraska could offer more money than Rice, and they were kind of just like, no, that's fine. Yeah. You can wait. So, but but that's that just to say that through two, through two years, like if you're making that many changes, that's not always a great sign. Right. I don't think Mike Riley's a bad coach. I think a lot in college football is just about fit with the school and everything. And personality-wise, I think in some ways it kind of fits, but just like kind of what they want to do. You know, at Nebraska, they want you to have a good offensive line, and they want you to run the ball a lot. And I think Mike Riley wants to have quarterbacks. He wants to throw it. And the problem is, is their offensive line's not very good, so their quarterbacks get hit all the time. Is he good? Is he bad? I don't know, because he spends three quarters of the game laying on the ground because he gets hit all the time. And it's just... If, if, if what's going on right now was happening in year one, I would feel differently. But when it's year three and you're still having the same problems, you know, especially in the off season when it's like, oh no, now we finally have the guy we want at quarterback, and we can do what we want on offense, and we can finally run our whole playbook, and then you only score 17 points against Northern Illinois at home, like that's not that's that. Like I again, kind of like I said with Ed Orgeron, I don't want to throw dirt on his grave yet mm-hmm. because nothing's happened. But when you're sitting at one and two and you lose twenty one seventeen to Northern Illinois, like it's just it's not a great sign going forward. Uh, looking back at week three here, my Hokies uh, started out slow against East Carolina, dominated, then scoring the last 57 points. They went 64-17. to 17. That was great. Uh, some of the some other things of note, I thought Michigan struggled against Air Force for the most part. They do win 29-13, but that wasn't really all that impressive. Mason Rudolph was impressive as Oklahoma State just pummeled Pitt 59-21. I mean, they took the pedal off the metal early in the, in the second half. Uh, Oklahoma State had four different receivers that had over 100 yards receiving. That's Don't the, see that very often. That's impressive and scary for anybody who has to play them. Yes. Yep, uh, that's kind of embarrassing for Pitt. I think Pitt's one of those teams that, uh, if we're going to talk bowl-bound or not, they will not be making a bowl game this year. I already mentioned LSU getting uh, the doors blown off by Mississippi State. Auburn kind of slept, walked through a win. couple of teams, ranked teams, that lost on the road. Vanderbilt uh, takes out uh, number 18-ranked Kansas State. That's right. I forgot about that game. Well, it was 14-7, I think. 14-7, yep. A defensive struggle. And San Diego State takes out Stanford 20-17. to uh, Stanford was a popular pick, uh, kind of outside the USC and Washington range to make the college football playoff. Well, now it seems like they're college football playoff hopes are done what's the more stunning loss from these two teams because they let's face it these were not the not the 
most difficult of road games, but they certainly weren't easy places to go play. Uh, so what what do you make of each of these losses here, and who had the who had the worst loss? To me, clearly the worst loss is Stanford, and then like I don't want to knock San Diego State because you know they've been good the last few years. They're tough on defense, and they do a lot of things well. But, you know, like, Kansas State's good, and I think Bill Snyder's a good coach, but Kansas State doesn't have, like, even though it's tough to get some guys to Stanford because of the high academic standards, mm-hmm. like, Stanford still gets really good football players and recruits better than Kansas State does. And Vanderbilt, I, like, if anything, ever since they hired Derek Mason as their coach, like, they're good on defense. A lot of times they're really gross on offense, but they find a way to keep the points down. So, I mean, like, I was surprised that Kansas State lost, but not stunned. Now, I usually, you know, since I work evenings, I usually stay up and watch the latest of the late games. Mm -hmm. I did not watch Stanford and San Diego State and went to bed and woke up at, like, 11.30 the next morning, not knowing Stanford lost. And when I saw that, was quite surprised with it. And Mm -hmm. that Stanford... Go ahead. I mean, they lose McCaffrey, and there's some other pieces they've got to replace. But I just, I, and like I said, San Diego State. I mean, they're not, they're not some bum team that never does anything either. But mm-hmm. well, I mean, to your point, I mean, the way they do things, and they're kind of like their identity, and they know what they want to do. Like I just, I thought that they would just grind down San Diego State. And maybe it'd be low scoring, but, you know, by late in the third quarter, early in the fourth quarter, they'd be getting five or six yards to carry, and they'd, you know, run for 250 yards. And, oh, look at that, Stanford won 24 to 13. But, nope, they lost. The lights went out just like they went out on Stanford's playoff of. Exactly. I mean, Bryce Love is a, a, a great running back here. He's definitely kind of picked up where Christian McCaffrey left off. He's not the all-around player that McCaffrey was, but... He's more than capable in the running game. They just have terrible quarterback play from Christ. I mean, he's he's absolutely awful. Uh, regarding Vanderbilt, uh, Coach Mason's got this defense playing really well right now. They play Alabama this week. I don't think they're going to win, but I think they. I think there's a, a kind of a sense, of a belief out there now within Vanderbilt that hey. We got something going here. We can kind of, we can be a decent team here and uh, and make these make some bowl games here consistently. And I mean, we were talked about you know Jesse Ertz, the, uh, the the quarterback for Kansas State. How oh the, he's coming back, so Kansas State, watch out for them. They're going to be good. He had seventy six yards and two interceptions against Vanderbilt. I think that speaks to how good Vanderbilt's defense is built. That's true, and it's also worth mentioning that's probably the best defense will play all year because I think Oklahoma appears to be <laughs> okay on defense. Other than that, I don't know if anyone else in the Big 12 is going to be able to do anything. So, well, the bright side for Kansas State is, other than in a bowl game, they're not going to play anyone as good on defense. That That's very true. That's very true. And then with Vanderbilt, I mean, playing Alabama, I, I don't remember the exact numbers, so take this with a bit of a grain of salt. I don't know what the over-under is. I would take the under on the Alabama-Vanderbilt game. I think I saw that Alabama was an 18-and-a-half point favorite. And I don't take gambling advice from me because I'm not going to bet on it, and I'm not great at gambling. But if it's 18-and-a-half, I think – I mean, I don't think Vanderbilt's going to win, but I would consider betting on Vandy to cover just because – like, I could – like. 
I think that Alabama is going to score a little bit, but like, would we be stunned if Alabama only scored 20 points against a pretty good Vanderbilt defense? No, no. And if they score 20, I mean, you only need three. I mean, Vanderbilt could lose 20 to three in a game that's not even remotely close if you watch it. Right. But based off the scoreboard, it's like, well, yeah, I mean, they they, they held it for what, 18 and a half. Yep. No, that, that's, I think that's a very good point. Um, and Alabama's fantastic. I'm confident they're going to win the SEC. They'll probably they'll be in the playoff. They're going to win a lot of games. Their offense has kind of been hit and miss early in the year, and it's struggled at times. I'm sure they'll get it figured out, but I think it's, it's incredibly possible that they don't have it all figured out by next Saturday, and they still kind of... Yeah, we're going through the motions and working through some things. Yep, I, I can see that here. Florida finally scored an offensive touchdown, and they beat Tennessee on a Hail Mary 26-20. to I don't know how much of this game you saw. Uh, I mean, we know Travis's uh, hatred of Tennessee, and Butch Jones in particular. Uh, Florida does not seem to be that good on offense uh, because – it took them until the third quarter, maybe even the fourth quarter, to score uh, an offensive touchdown. But they do win 26-20, to one of those crazy endings with that Hail Mary. Uh, but that's a big win for Florida, given that it was the first game since Hurricane Irma. Uh, what did you take from that game? I don't know. I, I did not see all of that game. I saw a big chunk of it. The thing I remember the most was Tennessee had the ball, like, first and goal at the four to one or two. And then on first down, Florida had like an unsportsmanlike conduct or a pass interference or something on a pass play to give Tennessee first and goal at the one again. And Tennessee threw three straight plays and had an interception, didn't get any points out of it. Um, and I think that's the thing I remember the most live watching it. I didn't see the Hail Mary live, but mm-hmm. I don't know what Tennessee was doing on defense because. Like, I heard that that Florida had, like, a 60-yard touchdown on the last play of the game. So, like, anyone who didn't see a live, I'm assuming, like, I was like, oh, well, I mean, obviously they threw it to the end zone and it got hit twice and someone just caught it. Right. Or it was just like, nope, some guy from Florida just ran by the Tennessee guys. And it was essentially like a play-action pass in the second quarter for a touchdown. Where it was just like, nah, I just ran by everybody and there's nothing they could do. <laughs> Which is great if you're Florida. Doesn't speak well for the Tennessee defense or secondary. UCLA lost a barn burner to Memphis. Memphis seems like they're kind of a for real team here, but Josh Rosen had a couple of bad interceptions. Uh, what's kind of going on with him in UCLA this year? I think that Rosen is the best player for UCLA. I don't think Jim Moore is a great coach. I think that they've got some guys on offense who are good, but they're not. They're basically Josh Rosen's the conductor of the train, and they're going to go wherever he takes them. And and he's good, and if he plays well, they're going to win games. If he turns it over some, they're going to struggle a little bit. Their defense doesn't look good. He threw for a lot of yards. They scored a lot of points. They threw out some interceptions he shouldn't have, and it cost them. You know, like you said, Memphis is good. It's, it's, it's odd that UCLA was playing Memphis on the road at 11 in the morning. You know, if you're UCLA, I don't know why you schedule that game, but right. you got to give Memphis credit for, for winning it. I mean, and at least, you know, Memphis, I thought they might take a big step back after uh, your guy Fuente left to coach the Hokies. Yep. But 
They still, I, I don't remember their current coach's name. I know he was the offensive coordinator at Arizona State, and it looks like they've just not missed a beat. So I think Memphis might be one of those teams to make a run for Group of Five team in New Year's Six Bowl, and I think UCLA. I, I think my prediction for UCLA is you and I will be playing bull bound or no bull for UCLA most of the season. Oh, very good. Very good. We're forecasting this already. I like it. I like it a lot. Uh, the two biggest games, arguably, Texas against USC. USC survives 27-24. to 24. They, Texas had the lead. They scored. They threw the, the, the go-ahead touchdown with under a minute left, and then Sam Darnold leads USC back. They get a, a field goal by the freshman kicker, and then Darnold delivers a big pass in the first overtime, Texas, you know, tied it up, and then they lose it in the, uh, they fumble it in the second overtime. USC kicks a field goal, they win 27-24, so they survive a lot closer than everyone thought. So Tom Herman, give him credit, I guess. But um, it's a big, it's a good win for USC. Tough loss for Texas. But what was your takeaway from this game? What's the biggest takeaway? I got a few takeaways from it. One of them is I think USC, kind of like they were under Pete Carroll. USC seems like a team that when the lights are bright and they're playing a really big ranked team, they're going to play well, like how they basically beat the snot out of Stanford. Yep. And if it's not one of those games, they're kind of going to play to their talent level of their opponent, like they did against Western Michigan, and kind of like they did against Texas. Now, to be fair, I think Texas is going to be better as the season improves, but I think they're going to have a lot of games like this. They're going to have seven or eight games that are going to be closer than maybe you think which is good for us as, you know, college football fans to see them in big, fun games. Um, I saw someone describe the Texas offense as inept until desperate, and when they got desperate, they made the plays they needed, which kind of sounds like that could be the name of, like, a heavy metal group or an album or something. Mm-hmm. Yep. But it, I thought it completely, perfectly described their offense. Which is, it's funny that it's not very often that it works out that you're not good until you need to play and then you are good. And that it just happens so many times for them that way. And then, and then one of my favorite things I saw the whole weekend was, like before the game, uh, what's his name? Uh, I, I, anyone follows me on Twitter, at the Hildebrand. Yes. There. Yes. Um, yes. I retweeted this because I thought it was funny, but I think... Earl Thomas, the former Texas safety, mm-hmm. was part of some Butterfingers promotion where it was like, oh, you can get Butterfingers with, you know, the Texas logo or the USC logo, and we're promoting the game this way. And I didn't see it until after the game was over, and I just thought it was incredibly ironic that the game was the last time the Texas offense touched the football. They fumbled it, that a Texas guy was promoting Butterfinger. That's very true. That's very funny. Uh, and you know what? They probably had a Butterfinger in between the first overtime and the second overtime. You know, try and keep the energy up. You need that sugar to, that, to, to stimulate yeah. you. And, uh, that that's was, right. He needed that carbo load, Buzz Wade. That's right. Uh, they, the wrong candy bar, though. And then uh, Clemson, this was the biggest test for them. We've, we talked about how they've been one of the more pleasant surprises so far. Uh, this college football season, just the way their defense is. But they made Lamar Jackson look human, and they went into Papa John Stadium, and they delivered their own pizza. They they kicked the snot out of Louisville. This was one impressive victory. Yeah, I don't know if I'm more impressed with the Clemson defense for how they played against Lamar Jackson or the Clemson offense that just kept making plays. I mean, I was, I was at work. We had the game on. I did not see every single play. 
but it seemed like about every four minutes I looked up, it was Clemson throwing it 40 yards downfield to an open receiver who scored on like a 60-yard touchdown pass. And I just, I think Clemson's really good, and as long as Dabo's there, and uh, I'm blanking on their coordinator's name, but as long as Dabo and those guys are there, they're going to be really, really good this year, or for the, for the foreseeable future. I don't know if they're going to win the national title or not, but like when you're at the point that Clemson is where you can replace as many guys as they did and three games into the next season be like, you know what, they still might be the best team in the country. Like that's that's what every school tries to build and Clemson has achieved that, so Clemson fans should be happy with where they are. It's kudos to them. As we look ahead to week four, it, there's not a lot this slate is not great. I think we can just we can put it as that. I mean it's so bad that college game day is saying, Well, we're not even gonna go anywhere. We're just gonna go to New York City. Because why the hell not? Which is dumb because they decided that like two weeks ago. Because now there's at least one game that after this Saturday looks good because Mississippi State won. But Mississippi State and Georgia looks way more interesting to me now than it did two weeks ago. Right. And I feel like they could go to that one. They shouldn't be in New York. I think it's tough that they're going to New York. Yep. Let's go to Athens for that this top-ranked matchup. Or, hell, let's go to uh, Stillwater for a TCU-Oklahoma State. I mean, you're, you're looking at this uh, slate here. There's only two games featuring ranked teams against one another. Uh the rest is just, it, it's bad. I, I don't know how else to put it. Um, I mean, it's so bad. I mean, Penn State-Iowa is the Sunday or is a Saturday night game, and that's going to be a big game. Does Penn State get tripped up by Iowa? I don't think they will. They, they seem like a team on a mission this year. I say that they do get tripped up by Iowa. No. Because of our thing, I picked it. I picked Iowa to win, and it's mostly just because, I mean, Iowa's fairly good. And they're playing at home, and weird things happen in college football. So I'm, I'm taking the Hawkeyes, especially like when you're talking night game. Like, they, you know, Iowa doesn't have like a 100,000 seat stadium, but they hold like 70, 75,000. And they've got a lot of fans, and you know, you get a night game, everyone's flickered up and excited. I mean, last year it happened when they played Michigan, and they beat Michigan at home. So I, I think. I don't know. Kirk Ferentz does this occasionally where you don't think that Iowa's all that great, and then all of a sudden they beat somebody that's incredibly surprising, and I think this is uh, the week that happens this year. Any, any other games that really, I don't I don't know if jump out's the right word, but anything else that's kind of interesting on this slate? I mean, Boston College and Clemson. Clemson's going to win. Hopefully, Virginia Tech doesn't lay an egg against Old Dominion, so it sets up a great uh, matchup next week. You have Duke, North Carolina, for whatever that's worth. I don't think you have to worry about your Hokies laying an egg against Old Dominion. I mean, they they could lay an egg in the the sense that they only, and I'm doing quotation marks, but you can't. They might might only beat Old Dominion 28 to 17. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll still take that. I will. Um, I mean, yeah. Is there anything else? Florida, can, Florida, and Kentucky. That's a good game. There, they, they put that on the SEC network. I don't know why the hell they're doing that. I'd, I'd rather watch that than Auburn, Missouri on ESPNU. But uh, other than that, also real, real quick on Florida and Kentucky, it's interesting because like Kentucky 
they, they went to divisions in the SEC in the early 90s, mm-hmm. and obviously Kentucky and Florida are in the same division played every year since then. Before that, you didn't play everyone in the SEC every year necessarily, but Florida's got a streak of beating Kentucky going back to like the early 1980s. Most of the years, this has not been a question. Of course, Florida's going to win. But, you know, every, every now and then, when, when you see one of these teams get a chance to win, I, I, is, it, is it at Florida or is it at Kentucky? It is at Kentucky. Even better. If Kentucky, I think Florida's going to win, but if Kentucky wins that game, you will see Kentucky fans celebrate like they celebrate anything other than like a national title. They will rush the field. They will go nuts, yeah. Did they rush the field when they beat Louisville last year? No, that was in Louisville, if I recall. I think it was in Louisville. I don't remember for sure. But in, and, like, don't get me wrong. Like, they hate Louis, they probably hate Louisville more than Florida. But it's different when it's like we haven't beat this team in, you know, like 35 years or whatever. And I, like I said, you know, most of those times Florida's so much better they never had a chance. I, I I think Florida's going to win, but I think this can be one of those games where you're like, huh, Kentucky's got the ball down by four with six minutes or with three minutes left in the game, and they're kind of driving right now. Yep. Uh, it's going to be it's going to be fascinating to watch. Uh, Charlie, appreciate you coming on the show and uh, on the podcast. Uh, we'll make sure to get you on here uh, again soon, maybe next week. You know, whenever you want to come on. And I, bowl bound or not is coming. I think we'll unveil it if you're okay with it. We'll unveil it uh, the first week in October. I think that's when we really have a good sense of what's going on. Almost halfway through the season, I think that's the right time. What do you think? I think that works. I, I like that. That'll, that'll, that'll work well. Very good. Thank you, my friend, and we'll we'll chat soon. All right, sounds good. Talk to you later, Stackin. Thank you, Charlie. Charlie Hildebrand, Sioux City Journal, kind enough to join us. Listen to his podcast that he does, uh, a couple guys there. It's very good stuff. Uh, they do, He does the, the lunch break or the water cooler talk. Excellent stuff there from Charlie Hildebrand. I appreciate him going. Yeah, the college football sleep. It's not great this week. A uh, couple of intriguing games, but really, yeah, it's just—it's not. The week after, that's got a chance to really have some good stuff there. But definitely see how it goes. But uh, let's put a bow on the show and uh, do our fall custom here. We'll take a look back at the week in the NFL and make some picks, some early picks that are sure to go wrong. From the stack, it's a sports block podcast. And as mentioned, we'll wrap up the sports block podcast here this week with a look back at what happened week two in the NFL and pick, accurately or not, who's going to win in week three. We'll begin, though, again, some terrible games here in week two. It started out Thursday night. Deshaun Watson makes his first start for the Houston Texans. They beat the Bengals 13-9. to The Bengals are the first team since the 1939 Philadelphia Eagles to open up the season with their first two games at home and fail to score a touchdown in either game. That's not elite company that you want to be in. Uh, they did fire their offensive coordinator the next day. Uh, not good, though. The Texans win 13-9. J.J. Watt's finger, by the way, pretty badly messed up. 
Baltimore Ravens beat the Cleveland Browns 24-10. Deshaun Kaiser had to leave the game for the Browns. He was leading the team. It looked like they were going to at least get a field goal late in the second quarter to make it a 14-10 game, but... um, you know, there was that, inter- then he had to leave, and Kevin Hogan threw an interception, and the Bengal or the Ravens took a 21-7 lead, and just after that really wasn't anything the Browns could do. They lose 24-10, but uh, the Ravens get the win, but of more of note, they do lose all-pro guard Marshall Yonda for the year with an injury, so that's not good at all. Buccaneers beat the Bears 29-7 in an emotional day in Tampa. It was their first game of the year, first game in Tampa since Hurricane Irma. Uh, honestly, there wasn't really much there to it. I mean, Glennon, the Bears quarterback, threw a couple of bad interceptions. But Jameis Winston didn't have to throw for that many yards at all. I think he threw just over 200. And... It was a pretty effortless game, you know, by all intents and purposes, here for the Bucks. They cruised to a 29-7 win. Steelers, as mentioned, beat the Vikings 26-9. Uh, penalties were the story in this one for the Vikings, 11 for like 131, I believe, at least. Uh, Case Keenum started over Sam Bradford, and you can tell just how bad the, the Vikings offense is going to be if Bradford doesn't play. But... It is what it is. The Patriots beat the Saints 36-20. to uh, Tony Romo look, uh, was very good again in the booth, calling out a touchdown here that the Saints uh, scored. But Tom Brady, 177 yards, three touchdowns in the first quarter alone. He'd never done that before in his career, if I uh, heard that correctly. Uh, Saints kind of came back, made it 20-13, to but... Patriots just kept rolling, but they did lose Rex Burkhead and Rob Gronkowski to injuries, so the hits keep coming to the Patriots at some point here. They, Tom Brady's not going to have any targets left, it would appear. But right now, at least the Patriots do get their first one of the year, and you could see it coming. You don't want to f- face a pissed-off Tom Brady after uh, 10 days in which he had just suffered a loss. Kansas City beats Philadelphia 27-20, to a low-scoring game at the half. It was 6-3. to Offense kind of opened up in the second half, thanks again to Kareem Hunt. The rookie scored two touchdowns. Uh, Carson Wentz and the Eagles did come back, had a chance to win at the end after they got an onside kick, but couldn't get it done. Chiefs win 27-20. Titans beat the Jaguars 37-16. Again, this was a pretty bad game at half. It was 6-3, but Blake Bortles, uh, turnover machine that he is, I mean, that that really helped set Tennessee up a lot. Then Derrick Henry scores a couple of touchdowns. Delaney Walker scored on a jet sweep. And the Titans cruise to a 37-16 victory. More bad football seems to be a theme, right? Uh, yeah, the Arizona Cardinals beat the Indianapolis Colts 16-13. The Colts had a 13-3 lead in the fourth quarter and failed to, lo- failed to win because Carson Palmer... Finally came through. I mean, he's looked bad the first two games for the Arizona Cardinals. And their offense looks lost without David Johnson. But Jacoby Brissett throws an interception in overtime on the first play of overtime. The Cardinals kicked the game-winning field goal. They had a chance to win in regulation. Phil Dawson missed it uh, off to the right. But they do win it in overtime 16-13. 
A theme. More bad football? Yes. Panthers beat the Bills 9-3. to Offensively challenged game. The Panthers' defense is really good. Uh, the Bills had a chance to have a chance to win at the end. A chance to have a chance. Uh, but Zay Jones couldn't reel in uh, an acrobatic catch at the 10-yard line with just seconds left in the fourth quarter. And the Panthers win 9-3, but they do lose Greg Olson. Now he's on IR with a broken foot. Uh, they'll probably get him back in six to eight weeks. But for now, uh, they've designated him to IR. And Cam Newton had to leave the game momentarily. Uh, we'll see what the injury bug looks like for him going forward. Raiders crushed the Jets 45-20. to Derek Carr looked really good in this one, throwing three touchdowns to Michael Crabtree. They, inter- I mean, the Jets actually played well to a degree. They made it 14 to 10 and then muffed a punt late in the second quarter, set up the Raiders with excellent field position. Raiders score a touchdown. It was Marshawn Lynch who scored his first touchdown in silver and black. And then he danced on the sideline. The Jets weren't very happy about that, but guess what? Maybe you should be more concerned about your defense uh, because you gave up 45 points to the Oakland Raiders. Raiders cruise 45 to 20. Dolphins beat the Chargers 19 to 17 in Los Angeles' first game in Los Angeles at StubHub Center, and there were still empty seats, and there were plenty of Dolphins fans there. Young Hoo, Young missed the potential game-winning field goal. His second missed game-winning field or. I guess either game tying or game winning field goal in back to back weeks to open up the season. This one he just pushed wide off to the right. Uh, yeah, the Chargers seem snake bitten again. They just can't pull out those close wins. But a big win for the Dolphins. Again, emotional game. That was their first game of the year since Hurricane Irma. Uh, Another bad football game. The Seahawks beat the 49ers 12-9. It took the Seahawks until the fourth quarter to score their first ever touchdown. Their offensive line is a complete train wreck here. Russell Wilson's been running for his life, and if he wasn't as mobile as he is, the Seahawks would not have won this game. It it was bad. They have a lot of things to work on and improve, uh, but it's just one of the... One of the factors in why the NFL is declining, why football is declining, is poor offensive line play. But the Seahawks do get the win. Washington beats Los Angeles 27-20. The Rams this time. uh, Rams were able to run it down the throat. Chris Thompson had a couple of touchdowns. Kirk Cousins, a rather pedestrian sort of game. But, uh, yeah, they beat the Rams. Defense, after looking like world beaters against the Colts, but whose defense won't. not so good in this one. Broncos take down the Cowboys 42-17 to in a blowout game. A lightning delay in this one. Uh, delayed the game a, an hour after the Broncos, uh, after it was already tied. And the Broncos just steamrolled the Cowboys after that. They really picked apart the Cowboys secondary, which is a huge weakness for the Cowboys this year. Zeke. Elliott had nine carries for eight yards or eight carries for nine yards. Either way, worst game of his professional career. He gave up on an interception, just stood there rather than chase down the ball carrier. So he's got an attitude problem. And Broncos' defense rose to the occasion, but give credit to Trevor Simeon and company because they had a lot to do with this as well. 
they cruise. Falcons open up Mercedes-Benz Stadium with a 34-23 win over the Packers. A couple questionable calls in this one, but uh, you know what? What goes around comes around. Packers were the beneficiaries of a couple of uh, questionable calls against Seattle in Week One. I don't have nearly as big of a problem with what happened in this game. But the Falcons do need to learn to put teams away. And again, the best thing that happened in Week 2, we'll get to that here as we wrap up the podcast. Lions beat the Giants 24-10 to Monday Night Football. Uh, the Giants' offensive line is bad. Odell Beckham came back in this one, but I mean, four catches, 36 yards. He's not healthy enough. The Lions score a special teams touchdown. They didn't look impressive necessarily, but Ziggy Anza had three sacks. It's just more that the Giants look terrible. And that is rather surprising. You don't you don't see that from the the Giants, but they have failed to score twenty points and I believe now is it ten straight games? It's an offense with Eli Manning and Odell Beckham, and Brandon Marshall has looked non-existent here through the first two uh, games of the season, so that is certainly a cause for concern. Let's take a look at week three. Here now, make some early predictions here. Of course, official predictions will be made in the stack. That's at stackattack.sportsblog.com. We'll have that on Friday. We'll also post the link to it on Twitter and Facebook. But uh, the, the Rams and the 49ers, what a Thursday night dud this is going to be. Uh, <laughs> I don't, I mean, 49ers haven't scored a touchdown yet this year. The Rams defense was bad last week. I think they are better this week, but playing on the road, it'll be interesting to see how that works out. I will take the Rams, though, to win this game. Baltimore at Jacksonville. 9.30 a.m. Eastern, 8.30 a.m. Central Time. It is in London. It's streaming on Yahoo, so you can find it anywhere you want to. Like You can, you can watch it from anywhere, just as long as you stream it through Yahoo. Uh, the Ravens defense looking great. They get to play Blake Bortles. Advantage Ravens. They cruise to a victory. The Cleveland Browns at the Indianapolis Colts, 1 o'clock Eastern on CBS. That's 12 Central Time. And the Browns are favored in this game against Jacoby Brissett and the Indianapolis Colts. What a sad state of affairs we live in. Deshaun Kaiser plays. I like the Browns to win over Indy. Giants at the Eagles, 1 o'clock Eastern, noon Central Time on Fox. Again, the Giants just gave you the stat. Offense failed to score 20 points in the last, what, 10 games? Eagles looking good. Home opener for them. The, the, show me something, Giants. I'm going to go with the Eagles here. Because, yeah, it, it's not good. They're uh, in New York right now. Dolphins at the Jets, 1 p.m. Eastern, noon Central Time on CBS. Uh, this is the Jets' home opener. I, I mean, the Dolphins continue to be on the road. I will take the Dolphins in this one. I don't say this with an extreme amount of confidence, but they are the better team than the Jets, and I think they will be able to sneak out with a victory, though it will be close. Uh, Chargers are a better team than the Jets, and the Dolphins were able to win that one. Denver Broncos at the Buffalo Bills, 1 p.m. Eastern, noon Central Time on CBS. 
This seems like one of those games that the Broncos should lose, but I feel like that defense is going to be able to keep Buffalo's offense at bay, kind of like the Panthers did last week. So I will take Denver in a close one, but again, I don't say this with a great deal of confidence. New Orleans Saints at the Carolina Panthers, 1 p.m. Eastern, noon Central Time on Fox. I mean, Saints offense not looking great, despite Drew Brees' numbers. Uh, there's just It's just not good, and their defense is terrible. I think the Panthers' offense finally awakens, and they will get the victory in this one. I like the Panthers over the Saints. Pittsburgh Steelers at the Chicago Bears, 1 p.m. Eastern, noon Central Time on CBS. Come on now. I mean, Pittsburgh's offense has not looked great through two games, but I think it picks up here against the Bears. The Bears' offense isn't going to get anything going. Pittsburgh rolls. A battle of undefeateds. Here it is the only game this week featuring undefeated teams. It's the 2-0 Falcons at the 2-0 Lions. Matthew Stafford's much better at Ford Field. The Falcons don't have pass rusher Vic Beasley. But I do think that that Falcons offense is just going to be too good on the turf. I like the Falcons to beat the Lions in this one. Buccaneers at the Vikings, 1 p.m. Eastern, noon Central Time on Fox. Uh, for the Vikings here, if Sam Bradford plays, I think they win. If Case Keenan plays, they still have a chance. But it's all dependent on the quarterback here. I, I will take the Vikings, but that is subject to change at this point, depending on their quarterback and quarterback play, because I, I don't think the Bucks will be be nearly as good as they were last week against the Bears. But that's, that's, that's a tough one. This is a loaded Buccaneers team. Vikings better be ready. Texans at the New England Patriots. Houston Texans at the New England Patriots, 1 p.m. Eastern, noon Central Time on CBS. Patriots' web, offensive weapons are kind of dropping like flies, but I do think Matt Patricia and Bill Belichick will have a game plan against Deshaun Watson. Patriots will prevail over the Texans. Seattle Seahawks at the Tennessee Titans, one or 4.05 p.m. Eastern, 3.05 p.m. Central Time on, on Fox. Tennessee looked good in the second half last week. Seattle's offense does not look good. I think the Titans' defense can take advantage of that. I believe Titans will win this game in a low-scoring affair, but I like Tennessee. The Bengals at the Green Bay Packers, Cincinnati Bengals at the Green Bay Packers, 425 p.m. Eastern, 325 p.m. Central Time on CBS. Bengals looking for that first touchdown. Tyler Eifert might not play. Jordy Nelson might not play for the Packers on the other side, but... Packers, much better team. They'll take care of the Bengals in this one. And then the Kansas City Chiefs at the Los Angeles Chargers, 425 p.m. Eastern, 325 p.m. Central Time on CBS. Dangerous game here. I, I could definitely see the Chargers winning. They're a desperate team. They've lost two really close games. The Chiefs are rolling right now. Give me the Chiefs in this one, though. Again, on a confidence scale, I don't say this with a great deal of confidence at all. Oakland Raiders at the wash at Washington, 8.30 p.m. Eastern, 7.30 p.m. Central Time on NBC. Yes. Look good. That defense still has some questions, but I think they will take care of business on the road here. I like them to take down Washington. In this one, and then Dallas at the Dallas Cowboys at the Arizona Cardinals, 8.30 p.m. Eastern, 7.30 p.m. Central Time on ESPN, Monday Night Football. Cardinals finally get their first home game of the year. 
I want to pick them, but Carson Palmer has given me every reason not to like them. Unless something changes here. Maybe he could pick apart the Cowboys secondary. Kind of like Trevor Simeon did last week. If, they, if he's not able to, that's a sad state of affairs for the rest of the Cardinals season. If they had David Johnson, I would totally take the Cardinals. I'm leaning Dallas in this one right now, though. I'll make an official prediction on Monday. Let's just put it that way, but leaning Dallas right now. And that's a look at week three and a look back at week two in the NFL. Uh, again, official predictions will be made in the stack on Friday uh, at stackattack.sportsblog.com. You can find this podcast you know, on iTunes, of course, just search sports block. Otherwise, I'll have a link to it later this or like in the later part of the week, as we always do on Twitter. Otherwise, on Facebook as well. So follow me on Twitter at Andy Stack, and otherwise on Facebook, Nathan Stack. And appreciate Travis and Charlie for coming on. And there's a hurricane, Hurricane Maria, going on now in the Caribbean. Um, thoughts with Puerto Rico and all the other islands affected. We'll see what kind of land or uh, impact this will make on the u.s jose might do a little something on the east coast but not not supposed to be a whole lot so hurricanes keep coming global warming's real folks and with that um again next week nfl talk college football talk plenty of college football talk and baseball talk as well see where the twins stand in their hopes of getting to the postseason so far against the yankees hasn't been very good But thank you for listening to this week's edition of the Sports Block Podcast. Always appreciate you downloading us, listening, and uh, hope you were entertained as always. And we will be back next week with another edition of the Sports Block Podcast. Nathan Sacken saying thank you for listening. We'll talk to you again next week. Sports Block Podcast.